За окном война, ты спросишь, или тяжело? Отвечу, ну да. А ты как-то держись, моя любимая страна. Мы обязательно встретимся возле большого костра. Слово Украине, слово украинское. I had only one question in my head, like, am I gonna wake up tomorrow, or am I gonna be dead? I see the faces of my friends and family in the faces of these people, and they're they're ordinary people that didn't ask to go through this, but they're stepping up in a major way. Non-stop amazing patriotism and rallying to take care of each other. You see here in Ukraine, it's unbelievable. The rise of autocracy is is the end of us. It's the end of us all over again. These are all the conditions that created World War II. They already changed forever. They are kids of war. They will remember for the end of their life. Only the people who went through this occupation will understand the feeling. No electricity, no water, no food, no money. But the main thing, no Russian. <laughs> we don't care all the rest as soon as there's no Russian. You're listening to JD Off Leash inside Ukraine. Good morning, Vietnam. Not quite Vietnam, but yeah, a little dramatic nonetheless. All right, well, Lance, you started uh, the Ukraine journey out of the three of us, so we'll start with you, buddy. All right. Uh, you came over when? June 1st, I landed in Ukraine. Came through Poland. I lied. I got here before you did. Yes, I thought you, you were here before I was. Nope. Yeah, little did I know. All right, man, so I know we've had some conversations in the past about your upbringing and, and what created the man, the myth, and the legend, uh, but let's talk about it. Let's, uh, you're an Air Force brat, yes? Yes, Air Force brat. Both my parents were uh, in POL. They refueled aircraft. My dad was in about 24 years, and my mom was in for 12. All right, and where did that take you in the world? Where'd you grow up? So I was born in Louisiana, but I was only there for about a year. Then I went to Idaho. From Idaho, I ended up in New Jersey, of all places. Idaho to New Jersey, slightly different landscape. Bigger culture shock than uh, Delaware to Ukraine, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, Delaware to Ukraine is probably not that far of a stretch. No. In fact, Ukraine's a little nicer in, in most places, yeah. All right, so then you went overseas. Yep, uh, after I graduated high school, I ended up going to the Army. Uh, I was with 10th Mountain Division. I thought you went overseas before the military when you were a military brat. No? Oh, uh, one summer I went to Germany, but that wasn't oh, okay. for any kind of deployment or anything okay. from my parents. Yeah. Cool. So did you join the army to spite your parents because they were chair force? Nope. Just watched no. too much G.I. Joe growing up. And for kid. anyone who's listening that doesn't already know, I was in the Air Force, so I'm allowed to make Air Force jokes. And since I was an Air Force guy, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> All right. So you joined the army. Why? I just felt like my place was going to be on the front line. I wanted to be a warrior. Uh, growing up, I respected the warrior culture greatly. And like I said, just watch too much G.I. Joe, I suppose. That's fair. You dress like G.I. Joe a little bit, I so do. it works. I do. And uh, also, for those that didn't already know, Lance, prior to this, he used to have some amazing locks of hair that I miss very much. Yep. That was uh, definitely. That's what happens when you start going bald. You either have to uh, <laughs> embrace your bald patches or make the whole patch a bald place. Yep. 
All right, so you go straight out of high school, no no desire to go into college? Nope. I signed uh, my contract when I was 17. Cool. And what was your job? Uh, light infantry. Light infantry. Joined the Army. Where were you first stationed at? Uh, up at Fort Drum, New okay. York. Upstate New York, yeah. where, where hell freezes over. Yeah, I was just going to say, getting you ready for the cold that we're dealing with right now up in Fort Drum. Jeez. Yep. Colder than it is right now. All right, so you do your stint in the Army, and that takes you anywhere fun in the world? Uh, East Baghdad. Fun to some, not to others, yeah. but... What I years were you there? I was in 2010 to 2011, so it was a little late in the game, but there was still some yeah. action. Yeah. One pump? Yeah, only one. And one enlistment? Yep. And then you get out? Yep. Obviously, the, tried the, to adjust to the civilian Obviously, the military spirit doesn't leave your body when you get not out. Not at all. All right, man. So what'd you do in the civilian world? Uh, at first, um, I actually, my dad had uh, retired from the Air Force, and he was over in Qatar. So uh, I went over there to visit him and see if I can get into private contracting, security contracting. Okay, so you hang out in Qatar for a bit, which for anyone that does not know anything about Qatar, the fact that you went there voluntarily is absurd to me. Uh, I hated Qatar. How now, granted... Man, just the temp, like just the temperature and the humidity, oh. like it has nothing to do with the place. Not yeah. to mention, I was only on the airbase there. I never went into the city. Yeah, Al Yadid's not too fun, God, dude. But, uh, Doha is amazing. Yeah, when we did the Iraq thing, we would go to Al Yadid for R and R, right? Yeah, I was like, no, nah, I'd rather be in Iraq getting shot at. Like you go there, and when I first got off the plane, you literally had to like pull the curtains of water from the air to wade through the air oh, to yeah, walk it's pretty humid there i go to take a shower i'm like walking to the uh trailer where they got the showers and i got a towel over my shoulder and one of the dudes who was like tdy there for a while well started laughing he's like you just got here didn't you i'm like yeah why he's like you're bringing a towel to the shower he's like by the time you get done drying off you're going to be soaked again with sweat so yeah. you just take a shower and pull your clothes on i'm like mm -hmm. no way way like got out of the shower by the time you get down to your feet you're already soaked again so you just pull your sticky clothes back on no not a fan of uh qatar just for the weather i've heard the city's beautiful oh much. yeah the city's beautiful yeah. and it is a muslim country yeah. so there's no bars on the street yeah. but all the hotels are privately owned so you have all the clubs and bars at the hotels which is pretty cool yeah yeah all right so how long are you there six months i was there and didn't do any contract work, right? Did yeah. not do any contract but you met work. But you met a dude playing guitar. You were playing guitar. You met yes, uh, my neighbor across the hall was actually from Ukraine. Yeah. And uh, one day when he came home from work, I was outside sipping some whiskey and playing some acoustic guitar. Yeah. Did that have anything to do with where you're sitting right now? Do you feel like that? A little bit, no? yeah. yeah. Okay. He had told me about the country before, and uh, so it sounded like a beautiful place. We actually spoke about Russia a little bit, too. He said, uh, you probably shouldn't go there. They don't like Americans too much. Not so much. And now I don't think any one of us should ever go anywhere near that border. I'm pretty sure our names are on a list at this point. Oh, I'll be in Moscow this time next year. <laughs> well, <laughs> we might have to edit that one out. Uh, so you do your guitar, uh, guitar stint and when, give me a time frame. Like when is this? This would have been... Uh, sit forward in the microphone a little bit. Yeah, this would have been about 2013 time frame. Okay, so there's still a little bit of time between then and now. Yeah. So what have you been up to? What's Lance been up to? So after that, I ended up uh, moving to Missouri, helping my grandparents and my father move into their house, and uh, I got a job at a warehouse for Guitar Center. Nice, nice. All right, so fast forward. It's uh, 2022. We're sitting in an 
undisclosed location in eastern Ukraine, pretty close to those Russians that don't like Americans. How'd you end up here, man? Well, uh, I was working like, on a fishing like, boat. Like, break it down. Like, yeah. what what got in your heart? What made you think, um, I'm going to go to Ukraine? Well, I remember watching the uh, Crimean invasion back in 2014. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought then that we should be doing something about this. I mean... They weren't had. They didn't have any markings. They were just in green uniforms, masked. The little green men. Yeah, the yeah. little green men, as they so yeah. speak of. Yeah. But fast forward, um, I'm working on a fishing boat, crabbing to be specific, and I just knew. I knew it was the right thing to do for me. Uh, I figured I could work in a humanitarian capacity, get these guys some trucks, supplies, whatever they needed to uh, keep on fighting. So no part, it was, I want to come over here and Rambo this shit. Like it wasn't, I'm going to come kill some Russians. It well, was, I want to go help people. It, it was that, and but I also, uh, yeah, I initially was going to join the uh, International Foreign Legion and get some more trigger time under my belt, but. I mean, I feel like any military veteran who's here has at least had the itch, whether they intended to scratch it or not. But why did you not uh, scratch the itch? Big part of it was uh, two days before I got here, one of my friends from, uh, Costa Rica, actually, skipped over that part, but I met him down there, and he was an ex-infantryman, and we got to talking about the situation in Ukraine, and we decided we were going to go. I had to work on the boat a little longer just to save up some money to come over here and be able to survive for a while, but uh, he was over here running trucks and supplies, and I was supposed to meet up with him, and we were going to go join the Legion together. He got a contract two days before I came and ended up going east. Uh, east Ukraine? Yes. He yeah, was yeah, yeah. Uh, east of, well, southeast of Zaporizhia. So he went like Foreign Legion? Yeah, he was okay. in the International Foreign Legion. And um, I met up with the um, Seven Virtues group that he was working with. And uh, they were getting trucks and supplies from Poland and delivering them east. So that's what I started doing. I picked up where he left off. And uh, eventually, I uh, ended up taking a truck to him in Zaporizhia. No kidding. Yeah. No, did you know that when you were taking the truck? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. He had asked, I was going to uh, say, that would be pretty wild if you just show up with the truck. And it's like, oh, this is my boy. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew where he was. Uh, well, general area where he was. And I had asked if he needed anything because I knew that the Legion guys were a little under-equipped compared to the regular army. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of out there on their own figuring things out, operating in 12-man teams and such. And uh, believe it or not, the Legion teams, they don't get along too well. So, yeah. They don't help each other out that much. Yeah. Well, let's back up for a second. I want to talk about when you showed up, like crabbing on a boat. I'm going to go to Ukraine. Uh, it wasn't that much longer after I had come over here. So I know that at that point, beginning of June, at least I know I still did not have even close to an accurate understanding of the state of affairs in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, like the whole country was at war. Um, you know, the entire country. Yeah. We've talked about this. Um, so walk me through when you're coming over. Like, what's your mindset? What are you expecting to walk into? Well, it was uh, it was a little surreal, actually, because I was on the, on the bus from Poland, and I happened to meet a guy um, who was sitting across from me in the other row. And uh, he, he looked over at me, and he said, first time in Ukraine. I said, yeah. How'd you guess? He ended up being... Um, Actually, from part of New Jersey, he was living in uh, Chicago area, I believe. But he had lived in Jersey, brought his kids up there and everything, and 
we ended up getting to talking and he took his kids from Jersey to Chicago. Yeah. He, he couldn't find a better upgrade. I think, I, think, <laughs> I think they had already grown up and they went and did their oh, own okay, thing. Yeah. So they were older, but yeah, he, um, said he had no prior military service, but he yeah. sure acted like he did, but he was helping different, uh, NGOs get drones and supplies to where they needed to go. Okay. And, um, did you have any idea in your head of how many people were here and like volunteers? When you were coming um, over? I mean, I had seen the news reports that yeah. a lot of people were going, but I didn't know how many per se and, and what capacity they were trying to come yeah. over. The news reported that a lot of us were just coming over here to go fight. Right. That's but, all I saw. Yeah. Before I came over was uh, like the last person on earth that you want sitting next to you with a firearm and a war going on the morning show being like, yeah, I just, I feel like I need to go over there and fight. I have no military experience, but I feel like I need to go do this and I'm going to go yeah. fight the Russians. Those were the only people that I had really seen, uh, advertised as going over. Um, so I was curious if you had a better, uh, understanding. Cause I, man, I tell people all the time, like I came over thinking, you know, outside of the people that came over just to fight, there's probably like 10 people in this country trying to help. Yeah. And boy, was I wrong. But yeah, so you come over, uh, you meet guy coming from, did you land in Krakow, Warsaw? Warsaw. Warsaw. So you're coming in from Warsaw. You talk to this guy. And at this point, you have no organization that you were linked up with, correct? Or you no, have already I, linked up with the Seven I hadn't, Virtues? I hadn't met the Seven Virtues guys yet, but yeah. they knew about me. They knew I was coming. And even though Car my friend had... Uh, left and went and fight or to fight with the legion um they still knew that i was coming and picked me up from the bus stop but when i first hit lviv it was uh it was at nighttime past curfew and um my friend dima ended up picking me up and we offered that guy a ride as well and the next day we met up with him and he had told us about the Irish pub there and said, well, this is a place you need to go. If you're looking to meet other the Dublin, yeah, the Dubliner yeah. or the Dublin, yeah. but yeah. So, um, he thanked us for the ride, bought us dinner and, uh, we kind of got to talking about what was going on in Ukraine and he gave me a better understanding of what needed to be done and what was being done. So okay. you mentioned your friend Dima. I know Dima. We know Dima. Was he your friend prior to this? Nope, I had never met him before, but we became fast friends. Okay, so how did you encounter Dima? Through this guy? Uh, no, uh, Dima was the one that came and picked me up from the bus station, and this guy was just there and needed a ride. Okay, so cool. How did you way. get connected? Like, how did he pick you up from bus station? Uh, my friend put me in contact gotcha. with him, the cool. one that had cool. been working with him already, yeah. and they, they knew the date that I was coming in, so they already had a ride set up for me and everything. So It fits. Again, anyone who's listening... Dima is just the guy who finds everybody involved in helping Ukraine who needs a hand with something and gives them a hand. He's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he was a lawyer in Kiev for yeah, 13 yeah. years and just decided to quit his profession. And literally and give full, every moment of his day to helping people. Yeah, man. Yeah. Incredible guy. Incredible guy. All right, so that brings us to Lviv. You're with Seven Virtues. Uh, they're kind of giving you a rundown of what's going on, where the needs are, and you are now helping bring vehicles and supplies to people that need it in the East. Yeah, any military-aged male can't leave Ukraine. So right. they used us foreigners to cross the border, pick up vehicles, bring them across. We would take them to a mechanic shop, get them a once-over. Then we usually get them a paint job because you know how the military likes their camo. Yeah, yeah. And again, for anyone who's listening who's not aware, um, this is necessary because 
every used vehicle, I shouldn't say every used vehicle, most used vehicles that are worth anything um, as far as, you know, personnel carriers. So SUVs or vans in Ukraine are extremely hard to come by. Um, and that's because obviously this is an unprecedented effort for, for the Ukrainian military and they didn't have the, they don't have the vehicles to, uh, to accommodate. So it's been personal vehicles being purchased, as he just said, spray painted, uh, OD green and, and sent off to the front. So it's difficult to find, uh, those types of vehicles in Ukraine at this point. So most of the vehicles are coming from Europe and a lot of them are being donated to the UK, uh, Germany, I mean, Poland. People are donating and or giving great deals. Yeah. And then as you just alluded to, though, uh, the Ukrainian men of military age can't cross the border. So that's where you were coming into play was you would go fetch these vehicles uh, in Poland and get them across the border so they could go to where they're going. The cool thing about that, though, was uh, it was Ukrainians that were bringing these vehicles to Poland. They had just been living in the United Kingdom for more than 10 years. I want to say about 13 or 14 Mm -hmm. years. And they were getting these vehicles together in the UK, uh, driving them, getting them across on the ferry, then driving them all the way through Germany to Poland, then dropping them off to me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I would think, I would think there's a lot of cases in this where I look at it and go, I don't think the United States would step up on that level. I think this is one where I can kind of see like we would probably be the same way where all of a sudden all these Ukrainians from all over the world have just like stepped up, like, how can I do my part? So yeah. even if they're not in Ukraine, like they've lived in the United States for 20 years or wherever they happen to be, they're like, what can I do to assist? Like, I know um, I have a friend back in North Carolina who's Ukrainian. She's mm-hmm. like, if you need anything interpreted, if you need any of it, like, please let me be involved somehow. Yeah. Like She's married. She's got kids. She's not coming back to Ukraine yeah, of course. Uh, for this, but she wants to still be involved. And, and yeah, you just kind of highlighted that where they have definitely come out of all the corners of the world and been for like, sure. what's the part that I can play? Yeah. It's outstanding. They have a uh, very big hearts. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why I knew I had to come and help. Cause I, I saw that they didn't deserve what was going on and they had the heart to fight back. So any way that I could help, it's what I needed to do. Yep. All right. And so you're doing this with the vehicles. And then we come to, I think, probably around the time that we meet, I think, is where we're almost up to. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I ran vehicles to Kharkiv, Zaporizhia. A lot of them we just would drop off in Kiev, and soldiers that were on rear duty are able to go to Kiev and, and pick up specific mm-hmm. supplies and stuff. They would just meet us in Kiev and pick the vehicles up. But, yeah, uh, one fateful night in Lviv, I run into a man named Calvin. <laughs> Good old Calvin. And up to this point, how are you – where are you staying? What do you – do? like, what do you – because I know you're getting paid a lot of money while you're here. <laughs> if only. Everybody thinks those <laughs> yeah, crazy know, Americans making, over here are mercenaries yeah, making top dollar. How much money have you made since here. you entered the country? Zero. Zero do- – negative dollars. Yeah, negative yeah, dollars. Yeah. yeah, so where are you staying up until this point? Like, uh, So at this point, um, Dima had arranged – one of his friends was letting us stay at an apartment that was kind of on the outskirts of Lviv. So it wasn't in Center City – had a real nice vibe to it. Actually, not too far from the mayor's house. Mm, fancy. So me and the mayor were neighbors for a little bit. But uh, we were paying, but he was giving us a discount. Okay, sweet. Being that we were foreigners in the country trying to help out. Yeah, yeah. So Good stuff. So then you run into Calvin, uh, who's who's part of the Dark Horse Allies, the nonprofit that we're uh, actually all three of us involved with over here. Um, and Calvin is just Mr. Networking, this man. Yeah. Uh, 
He's magic. You put him into a city in Ukraine and all of a sudden he knows every NGO operating in that AO. Yeah. Um, and so you run into Calvin and Calvin says, Hey man, you got military experience. You're in Ukraine. Come train military with us. Is that pretty much where that goes? Pretty much. Um, he, he had talked to me about it and I said that I was quite busy at the moment. Uh, I think it was about another two or three weeks that I was running vehicles. So I just didn't have the time. But then one day, uh, finally was able to go out and see what the program was all about and uh, fell in love with it. I knew that this was the next step. This is what I needed to be doing. If I wasn't going to be fighting, I needed to be training to make sure that these guys do their job well and get home to rebuild their country. Sweet, man. All right, well, we'll get into kind of everything that's been going on with that, but let's go ahead and uh, bring Luke in now since we've got your backstory up to the point you're with DHA. Uh, Luke, you are a former combat medic mm-hmm. in the army. Yeah, I was in the army. I was in for six years. Let me get a little closer to the microphone, maybe. Uh, six yeah. years. Spent all my time as a medic. Got stationed in Fort Benning at Fourth Ranger. Thought I was going to go fucking deployments, fucking fuck shit up, but not so actually much. at the training uh, brigade. So all I did was treat a hell of a lot of patients. Um, which is actually I'm benefiting from now being out here uh, and being able to teach some of these uh, Ukrainian soldiers some things I know and actually learning a lot from them as well. Yeah. So before the military, though, let's I honestly I don't know much because I've known Lance longer. So we've sat around and well, you sipped on Revos. I probably sipped on whiskey or wine because I don't mess with the Revos. But we've sat and we've had conversations. So I already knew some of his backstory. I actually don't know much about yours prior to the military. So where are you from? What's your, I know, California, right? Yeah, born yeah. in California. Uh, lived there until eighth grade, then moved to Nevada. A very rural, small town. Uh, not a lot to do. Started thinking, what am I going to do with my life? I had an older brother going into the Army, so... I just picked that up as well. Knew I wanted to be a medic from day one. Uh, that was your contract going in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I made sure of it because the uh, first thing I tried to do was go be a corpsman in the Navy. I had a dad in the Navy. It sounded fun. Be on ships, go travel a lot more. But uh, the recruiter was like, I'm not going to do anything to help you get that job. So I walked right next door to the Army office and the recruiter in there was a medic and he was like i will make sure you're a medic nice so spent a couple weeks going in waiting for a medic slot to open as soon as it did he signed me up right then and there and i was in basic in 2012 2011 do you have any idea how old you just made me feel oh my gosh as i'm getting out you're going in yeah nice you screw both of you Uh, did my basic at Fort Sill. It was kind of cold, kind of like here, real flat, desolate in this part of the country, as well as uh, Oklahoma. Then went to Fort Sam. Had a great time there, learning to be a medic. Fort Sam's an awesome place. Where is Fort Sam? Excuse my ignorance. Uh, San Antonio. Oh yeah, like uh, in the great city. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. It was fun. I would go back. Yeah, I did some training down at Lackland, uh, which is just outside of San Antonio. And yeah, San yeah. Antonio, the Riverwalk, good times. Yeah, real good, good times. Yeah. Um, then went, got orders to Fort Benning. Saw Ranger on my orders. Got hella excited. Was real pumped. <laughs> went to the training brigade and was like, "What the hell am I doing here?" And then every E six, I was like, 
one of two lower enlisted at the time were like, what the hell are you doing here? Do you tag up when you do that? Like, do you wear a Ranger tag? No. When we you're wore, attached to them like that? We no. wore the tan beret and our uniform was like slightly different, but it was all about the fucking, the tab rather than the scroll where I was at. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and so you're training, are you training medics or are you just training Rangers on medical stuff? I was actually a medic there. And then the RIs, which are all infantry dudes, usually maybe some Cav scouts, they do the training. So I was there gotcha. as the, the medic for the students, as well as any of the, the instructors. Got it. And, um, spent six years there halfway about no five years there three years into it they uh well a year into it they did what was called fencing people in so if you were there you're not leaving for three years so i got stuck there was uh about to leave at the end of that three years time then they sent me to the dive medic school and fenced me in for another year so i spent this whole time at this training unit not seeing any deployments or anything like that and was just like, man, maybe I'll get out, see what civilian world's like. As it would turn up, I didn't like that either. I was going to say, <laughs> how how the civilian world treat you seeing as you ran away to the Eastern block yeah. of uh, Europe to get away from it. I, I'm just curious why you didn't like looking at ranger buttholes all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the first few, but then they get old after yeah. a while right <laughs> that's why the navy recruiter he's, he's, he's like he doesn't have a heart he doesn't have what it takes to stick this out yeah, yeah yeah the ranger panties didn't do it for you all right so if you went in in 2011 12 did six years you get out like four years ago something like that yeah i got out in 2000 the summer of 2016 okay um got out went to arizona was i met up with uh another medic who was there who was actually 10th mountain guy Cool. Uh, and we were going to go into contracting together. And then I didn't do that because I met this chick who was super it's hot. Always a freaking <laughs> chick. Yeah. If only I'd known there were fuck, there was a country of hot chicks. But uh, decided to go to nursing school for a few. Wait, because this girl was in that nursing yeah, school? Yeah, she was going as well. Hold on, you joined a, You joined just because of that? No, Please. no, no, no. Okay, all right. I was, so I was going to go nursing when I got out, but I moved in with my friend in Phoenix, and he was like, no, you should go contracting. And I was like, yeah, I should. But then I didn't. I wish I had. <laughs> but It's the pursuit of the vagina, man. I've always yeah. said that I was going to write a book called The Pursuit of the Vagina about how much dumb shit we as males do because of the pursuit of the vagina. Like, if you think about it, we wouldn't even care about having, like, a nice car. We would care about, like, we would live in this room that we're sitting right now and be perfectly happy. (laughs) But we spend all our time and money trying to have, like, nice stuff because we want girls to respect us as having our shit together. Man, it really comes down to that. You don't appreciate me and my hoopty. You don't deserve me at my best. What's the Mercedes (laughs) Benz? Yeah, uh, I mean we've my, we've proven over wife. and over again that we are just fine with baby wipe showers. Oh yeah, yeah. we only keep our hygiene up for the I think ladies. I'm on like day six with no. Shower. <laughs> Feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Feel you start to feel like a man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I got real real sidetracked there. Sorry, you went to nursing school because you were uh, into this chick. Well, you yeah. went to nursing school because you wanted to go to nursing school. You went to nursing yeah, school went, there because you were into yeah this chick yeah, and that. I decided not to go to contracting because of her. And then 
sure enough, things went to hell with her. Yeah. I met up. I ended up uh, catching up with another army buddy who we were at Fourth Ranger together. He was my squad leader, actually. And he was uh, going through some shit as well, being a civilian. So we decided to team up and, like, make our shit pile twice as high and become roommates in Colorado. Um, where I got into sales, actually, I was selling solar, which was fun. I was good at it. I didn't like going door to door and meeting everyone, but I did like making some money, made some money and then kind of got over it. It's a very short lived reward for me. Um, and well, you're then, in the right place then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then my dad got sick, and uh, he was getting to the end of his life. Uh, so I moved back home to help with him, uh, help do his physical therapy and things like that. And then I think it was around that time, the the second or new invasion, Russian invasion of Ukraine happened, and it was uh, it was like a calling. It was like it spoke to me more than it did. The people around me, I'm sure like you guys experienced like, why isn't everyone like watching the news 24 seven and not yeah, yeah. talking? we're about talking about this else. most recent yeah, February yeah, 24th. Yeah. 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 And like, oh, yeah, it was um, I'm sorry to interrupt, oh, yeah. but just to feed off of what you just said, like I was playing hockey and uh, just like men's league, beer league hockey. And I came out afterwards and we'd always hang out and have a couple of beers afterwards. That's why it's called beer league. Mm-hmm. And so we're standing around having beers and my phone went off and I'm looking and mm-hmm. they were just. You know, it was nighttime there. It was like four thirty, five o'clock a.m. here, um, and they had just started, you know, lobbing missiles at Kiev and jumping to the airport and stuff. And so I'm watching these updates on my phone and like freaking out. Everyone's like, "What's going on?" I was like, "Oh my god, Russia did it! Like they they're like mm-hmm. full on invasion. They're going after Kiev. Like they're coming for Ukraine." And they're all like, "Oh okay," and like go back to drinking their beers. And then I was like, look, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to go home. Like, I got to put this. And they all turned like, what are you going to do? Go to Ukraine and help them? Well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think so Funny at that point. <laughs> I didn't think so at that point. I just wanted to go home and pace around my living room watching all the updates. But, yeah, I guess it was a little prophetic uh, at the moment. But, yeah. yeah. So, to your point, yes, it, it hit me different than it did those around yeah. me. Yeah. And I think I, my first intention was also to come and to fight. Um, I was going to join the International Legion. I started doing a bunch of research online, trying to find people who were doing the same thing, try to find a group of guys coming over. Uh, met a dude named Angel, told me about Dark Horse. Um, and then I think it was a couple days after that, we actually had our Skype call. And it was a few weeks later, flying into Warsaw, uh, having a hell of a time getting out of Warsaw into Ukraine and then getting blown away by how awesome Lviv is and how unlike what I thought it was going to be like. I think uh, we were talking about that a little bit, like just thinking like it's going to be blacked out, watching over my shoulder everywhere I go, Um, but was very blown away by like the collection of people there. The attitude in uh, Lviv is very positive you would not think a war is going on. Yeah. Um, by the time this whole podcast thing has run its course, 
I think will probably have marketed Lviv more than anything on the face of because every person I talk to, it comes up like six times. Like, isn't Lviv just amazing? Like, man, what a place! Yeah. I can't believe I never knew about I'm, that place before this war. I'm trying to go back to Zaporizhia. I want to yeah. see some Cossacks strongholds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it is a little spicy out there. Yeah. They're a little little pro Russian in that area. Well, it's also a, a handful of missiles hitting Zaporizhia on a fairly oh, regular really? basis. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so you came over knowing that you were going to be working with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you alluded to, we had that call and I was actually really impressed because usually we get somebody who says they want to come over and volunteer and join. Like, I don't know, a handful of them actually follow through with a video call. Cause I insist on a video call. I, I want to know who's going to be working with us. Um, and then of those people, you know, a handful might come over or give a date or something, but you were just like, all right, man, cool. I'll be there in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm like, all right. And then in a couple of weeks you showed up, uh, your train didn't, your driver didn't, nothing else in Poland did, but yeah. we yeah. ended up getting you into Ukraine one way or another. And, uh, you actually, I think the majority of us spent like some time in Lviv before we started to see the spicy side of Ukraine. Uh, you were pretty quick. You went, I want to say not even a week, maybe a week in Lviv, and then you went straight to Mykolaiv. Yeah, I think it was... Uh, which is I, ca- I also came Mortaritaville of Ukraine. Yeah. Mortaritaville. <laughs> yeah. I, I came over here a little bit later than most people, so I was like, the whole time I was waiting to come was like, I'm definitely going. It never... Coming here never, like, left my mind or anything, and then, yeah... Being blown away by Lviv and then going to Mikhlaiv and seeing like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is what I was this expecting. Was there expecting. we go. Now things are blowing up around me. Yeah. Um, and now uh, I think we're kind of caught up timeline wise. We're we're all at this point with Dark Horse. Um, let's talk about the people, man, because I know that we've all said it a million times. And I'll just lead with it. And I already know you guys feel the same way. But like we say, we came here to volunteer and to help. We stayed uh, because they're family. Oh, um, yeah. It's, in fact, on the Dark Horse website, you have your little quote on there. Yeah. And it says, these people have rekindled a fire in my soul. Like, yeah, I'll lead with you, man. Just talk about that. Talk about these people, man. Yeah, I mean, um, hell, hell of a people, man. The, uh, the Ukrainian people. Like I said, uh, the quote I had was that I see I see the faces of my friends and family yeah. in the faces of these people, and they're they're ordinary people that didn't ask to go through this, but they're stepping up in a major way. This is uh, unlike anything else we've seen. We've all seen some side of war, but y- Ukraine is just a whole other animal, man. And to step up the way these people do and, and unite, it's uh, it's empowering. It's it's great to be a part of, and I'm I'm proud to be here, and I'm very proud of the the Ukrainian people. It's an easy mistake to yeah, make, yeah. man. I like say I said, like American Ukrainian, we're one of like, the same now. If there's man. anything I'm most ashamed of, I think ever, it's the fact that I was one of those Americans who always thought Ukrainians were just like Russians. I was like, Ukraine's just kind of like a colony of Russia. I'll, I'll like, be honest. I didn't know they had like, their own language. Like I thought Ukrainians they are, well, a lot of them do. But yeah. I was like, <laughs> you know, Ukrainians are pretty much just like now. Man, if you ask me what Ukrainians have in common with Russians, I got nothing. You ask me what yeah. Ukrainians have in common with Americans, I'll be like, all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they've yeah. got all the good parts of Americans. Like, yeah, you do. You see... You see their faces. I mean, that is literally the whole reason I'm doing this podcast. The yeah. whole reason I'm doing this video cast 
is, uh, as I've told people, like I've gone back to the States a few times and spoke at events. I've spoke to people, spoke to my friends. We mm -hmm. all speak to our friends back home. Not once have I walked away from a conversation going, I feel like I really did justice to the Ukrainian people. I feel yeah. like I really got across how incredible these it's people are. I the can't, yeah. there's nothing I can do to express like they're literally to their core, the most unselfish. What, like if we want to get real cliche with it, ask not what my country can do for me, but yeah. what I can do for my country. Like that is them to the core. It's like, what what are my valuables what are my assets what are my strengths and then how can i use all of that to help my community and help the people around me it's their hospitality all the time alone. that's how they all are you, you can't go yeah. into a ukrainian household and yeah. not get stuffed full with delicious food or really, drinks yeah. and yeah just they're, they're amazing people and they, they make yeah. you feel welcome and you can really yeah, tell man. they're grateful so authentic that we're here to help yeah, yeah. and so that's i mean we're going to be talking to a bunch of ukrainians and stuff like i want I want to open that window, man. I want everybody to experience what we have because it's it's really tough for me, um, and I'm sure for you guys too. I don't stay real in tune with the Western media and what's going on, but as I see this, which always happens, but you know, war weariness, yeah, where it's starting to become shelved a little bit, and people don't have that fire in their belly like they did in the beginning. Like, no, you start to get the complaints stronger. about tax dollars. You know, like, oh, you know, our tax dollars are being wasted, sending all mm -hmm. this money to Ukraine and stuff. And it's just like, man, you guys need to be here. But they can't, so I'm going to try to bring them here through this because they need yeah. to see, like, these people, man. Like, I'm telling you, I feel like I had the amazing opportunity to travel back in time and be a part of the American Revolution. Right. I feel like this is that, like, pure, I love my family. I want them to live free. I want my daughter to have every opportunity. I want my son to have every opportunity. We want to prosper together and be proud of our country in a good way. And this is our moment to break away from tyranny and break away from the Soviet governing style and yeah. and, and, and have this freedom and, like, that kind of fire in their hearts that you just sit there and, like, within three days of being in country, I'm like, Oh, Ukraine's going to win this war. Oh, yeah. Like I don't like, it doesn't really matter. Like you can talk to a super successful business person in Kiev. You can talk to anyone like who in the United States, their counterpart, you would look at them and be like, yeah, they probably don't have a lot of determination and grit. You talk to like that kind of person here that you're like, mm, probably shallow on the surface. You know I mean? Yeah. You know, all they have is the surface. And they're just like, I mean, they can kill our power, our heat and our water. I'll just get a thicker sleeping bag. I don't care. We're right. not leaving. We're not giving up our country and I'm never going to be a Russian. Like yeah. they're just every single one of them to a person. Um, and then also somehow not in like a bitter way. I mean, they don't have the highest opinion of Russians, understandably. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I feel like even me, like I've learned from that where I'm just like, man, like how are you guys not bitter yet? Like yeah. this is some really, really dark, fucked up shit that's being done to your people. And it tears you apart and they're hurt and they're passionate about putting an end to it. But they haven't let it turn them into bitter people. And that's no. crazy, man. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. They're very, yeah. very humble about everything that's going on. And they just, they, they, they're not going to let, they're not going to succumb to Russia's fear. Russia is trying yeah. to use fear tactics and being a terrorist state and all that. It, it's, it has no effect on the Ukrainian yeah. people. They still open up their shops every day. They still take yeah. their kids 
to school. Mm-hmm. They sit in the park and read. They join each other for coffee in the afternoon. And they kind of had to, if anything, they, they just adapted a more free lifestyle. They live day to day. Yeah, man. There's no point in making a plan for next week when you can just enjoy today being alive yeah. and, and being amongst friends and family. And that's, it's a, it, uh, it, it warms your heart seeing yeah, how they stick together. Yeah. Well, you were there with me my first night slash morning in Mykolaiv when the Ukrainian people made an ass of me yet again. When, you know, we get in it, like, I don't know, was it midnight, close to midnight? Yeah. And we're there all of like 45 minutes when the first missiles hit close by and uh, water goes out. We're all messaging each other because for OPSEC reasons, we weren't all staying in the same place. We're messaging each other like, oh, I lost water. Yeah, I lost water too. Another yeah. missile hits, a window breaks in on one of our guys. Like, so you remember, I was like, all right, this is our moment, boys. I'm lining up a box truck from Lviv. We're going to fill it with bottles of water. We're going to come out and like take care of these people in the morning. Yep. They're really going to need it. And we get up the next morning, like restaurants are open and they're using bottled water to wash the dishes yeah. and do everything like, oh, no, this is life, man. We don't leave because if I leave, no one can take care of my elderly neighbor. And yeah. if they leave, like they won't take care. So, no, we just this is what we do. And I'm just like, and there I was thinking they needed us. They don't need us. I mean, no. They appreciate us. They appreciate us, yes. And and there are certain things that that they do need that we're taking care of. But I'm saying, like, they are, like you just said, man, they're so damn strong. And 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 anyone that turns down getting evacuated to a person, it's because I need to take care of my community and my neighbors. It's never like this is my home, which is what I assumed of anybody that didn't want to leave. Like, yeah, this is my home. It's always been my home. I don't want to leave it. I've never once had somebody say that. I've had a lot of people be like, I'm not leaving because my Community. neighbors are still here yeah. because these people are still here because who's going to help clean this up when it blows up. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's all about taking care of other people. Everything is always about other people. It's wild. Yeah. What about you, man? What's your, what's your experience been so far with the Ukrainian people? It's like a huge uh, sense of togetherness, obviously, but like, we're in like we are all fighting even if they're not on the front they're fighting like they keep their restaurants open i was talking to a barber and i was like man the best thing you could do is just every day open this barber shop up for the people and like let them know that ukraine is still ukraine like it's not gonna fall you're not gonna fucking run away you just open this barber every day like you have been before the invasion and there seems to be a lot of people like you guys are saying who are who have that same mindset. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's cool that you bring that up too. Cause that was a conversation I had with somebody who is like walking that line of feeling guilty, talking to uh, somebody that I met in Kiev where they were like, you know, what they knew that I'd been through some other wars in my lifetime. And they're like, you know, so what's like, what's your take on the fact that in places like Kiev and Lviv, it's not that people are ignoring it. Like people are doing monumental things. People are going on, instagram and raising a million dollars in three days to buy vehicles for units at the front like everybody's trying to do their part but the fact that restaurants are still opening Mm -hmm. people are still getting their haircuts people are still buying cars people are still you know more important socializing going out right and supporting the economy right well so this person was saying like does do you think that negatively impacts the soldiers who are giving up everything and then they feel like everybody back home is acting like nothing's happening. And like you just said, I was like, actually it's the exact opposite. I was like, what's winning this war for Ukraine right now is morale. What's winning this war is, 
fighting for what's behind you that you mm-hmm. love so much. And if the whole country was like dark and somber and sad and, and, and not what they know as yeah. their home, what, not what they know as their beautiful country that they love. Um, you may start to see some of that morale decline. The fact that they know that there's still that to go back to the fact that they know that what they're fighting for is still very much alive. Yeah. Um, is actually motivation in my opinion. Me too. Um, I, I agree. And so what you just said, like it's, it's, it's very important because without question, like I said, morale is what's winning this war, man. These guys, how many times have we said you're winning it with your heart boys? Yeah. Because it's just, man, I don't remember who, who first said the whole, uh, uh, fighting force that's fighting, uh, just cause they hate what's in front of them. will get defeated every time by fighting force fighting because they love what's behind them. I don't, I wish I could give credit to whoever it is because it's by far the most plagiarized quote. I use it all the time. Yeah. I love that quote. Um, but man, these guys are the perfect exempl- exemplification of that. Like it's unbelievable what they're doing just because of how much they love what they're fighting for. Um, so I think it's critical that things, you know, obviously if nobody cared and nobody was helping support, that would be a problem, but that's not the case. They're just continuing to live their lives while also supporting. And, uh, I actually okay. heard a really good quote the other day, too. Um, he said, uh, some people strive for the best, and that's what the Ukrainians do. Others are afraid to lose the worst, and that's what the Russians do. Damn, that's good. Yeah. I like that. From the mouth of Sergei himself. Ah, very, little Sergei. Very uh, wise man. Nice. From what I can understand. <laughs> I don't, I don't speak Ukrainian. But. Sergei is one of the commanders we're working with here. Let's talk a little bit about the work. Um so we are all involved in Dark Horse Allies. We, uh, we've been training these guys. I mean, essentially members have been training since this whole thing started. Um, and it's been some personnel come and go. Uh, but working with these military units, um, obviously a little different than the United States military. Mm-hmm. Little. <laughs> it's you, a lot different than the United to, uh, States military. Let the little things go that we would yeah. flip out but, about. But, <laughs> but there's also that. things that, man, I have learned from them. Like there are so many things that when it first started, I was like, Staff Sergeant Fisher's coming out deep inside. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's so unprofessional. This is so, and then I start to see things from like, Maybe they're on to something with some of these things yeah, that right. they do where it's like, you know what? That stuff that I've just had pounded into me and I pounded into other people as being so critically important. Um, yeah, not really. Um, so there's, yeah, there's been a lot of learning. But I want to hear you guys talk about, like, impression, uh, what it means to you, why you're doing it. Because you both said, well, you said that you were essentially looking to try and come over here and fight. You were planning to when you came over initially. Um any regrets or would you rather be working with these guys? Talk to me about training these guys. Well, none whatsoever. What, what really did it for me was um, just to go back real quick to my friend that was yeah, in the Legion. He, he, he almost got smoked. And um, that truck that I delivered was the one that medevaced him and his guys. Three of them got killed instantly. He got his leg and uh, leg pretty bad. Um, ACL torn meniscus, all that concussion was in a hospital in Zaporizhia. We ended up getting him out to Kiev. Then I took him to Warsaw so he can go back to the States. But what he really told me was, he, he was like, Lance, without without these supplies, without these trucks, 
without training. He's like, those are the things these guys need. He was like, I know you want to run and gun again, but he's like, what you're doing is 10 times more important. And it really resonated with me because, I mean, I want, I wanted to run and gun. I mean, I think every ex-infantry guy does. That's probably why most of us came over here to kind of relive our former glory days or whatever. But then when you really see the people, it, it changes your perspective on everything. And, um, I just knew that giving these guys the tools to succeed was a better bet than just going out there and trying to do it myself. And then seeing these guys, some of these guys have never picked up a rifle in their life. And once they just get a little bit of guidance, seeing them grow as soldiers, as warriors that are fighting for their homeland, that's what does it for me, man. Yeah. Yeah. My crack, and I tell people this, is that day one... I'm terrified. I think I'm going to die for my country and I'm willing to do it, but I'm terrified and I think I'm going to die for my country to that day that we say not goodbye, but see you later. Yeah. When they're confident, they're proud, they're excited to be part of the team. Mm -hmm. They believe they can go and come back to their wife and kids. And, and you know, that the odds of them doing that just went up dramatically. Oh, absolutely. That man, like, and, and we've already talked about what incredible people they are. Like when you form that, that feeling of, man, I took these guys who are such good hearted people, so kind, who were willing to die for the country and believed they were going to said goodbye to their wife, thinking they're never going to see them again. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, I'm going to come back to my wife with stories she'll be proud of. Like, I'm going to do this for my country, and I'm coming home. Like, that oh, transition. They, they know they're going to fuck Russia. That's, that's their biggest statement. They love saying fuck Russia. But that feeling, man, just watching these people who deserve everything good in this world because they are such good giving selfless people to see that transition in them and see them have that hope. Man, I, I've said it a million times. I came here to help for three weeks, yeah. seven months ago. There's a reason I stayed. Like, man, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't change what I'm doing now for joining the Legion or going back home or anything like that. Like, coming here, I was training uh, civilians who were possibly going to get the call to serve in Lviv. But then coming over and starting to train the the actual soldiers and the actual units, it's been like very rewarding, because uh, no, and you are doing some critical stuff because yeah, that yeah. whole combat medic thing. Um, some of these medics yeah. have had like I'll ask them like, "What's your medical training?" And they're like two weeks, and I was yeah. just like, "Wow." Yeah, for people that don't know, you know, obviously most of Ukraine's best and brightest in all of the military professions are at the front fighting and, and, and that's where they need to be. So these, I mean, there was like 200,000 Ukrainians that voluntarily enlisted in the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Even if you had all of your usual trainers, that's an absurd amount of people to try and train. So take away the trainers. There's a lot of individuals, even in specialty fields that don't have the training and it's not to the fault of the Ukrainian government. It's just the situation we're in. So, yeah, these medics uh, that you've been spending time with, I mean, not only are you, I'm sure, building a lot of confidence in them, but mm-hmm. who knows how many lives that's going to save. Yeah. Like, my God, you know, if I had 
myself laying on a field bleeding out and I had to pick between, no offense, Lance or you coming to take care of me, uh, I'm going to call on the guy who's been doing it for a living. Mm-hmm. And the fact that these guys have that option now, because yeah. prior they had to just call on, sorry, dude, you're the only non-medic sitting oh, across here. The fact they only had Lance to call on. They only had their their army buddy who had some medical experience, but that was as far as it went, as opposed to somebody who's received training. Like that's going to save a lot of lives. I mean, I got real excited when you volunteered and said that you were a combat medic. I was like, bingo. Like me too. I knew I could start doing riskier stuff. I have somebody to take care of me. He's like, man, if I have too many revos one night and I fall down the stairs, this guy can set my shoulder right back in place. It'll be great. Revo stands for revolution. Cool. (laughs) um yeah no it's very impactful stuff and i keep interrupting you but keep going man and i've i've been completely blown away by like how quickly these guys who want to be medics who volunteered to be medics are picking up the training like way quicker than anybody any medic in america like for two weeks of training these guys know a lot and then from one day of training with me they remember everything it's it's very rewarding making medics out here and making medics better. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave or fucking join the Legion. I got no plans on going back home for a while. Like this is definitely where I need to be. Yeah, I think I probably said it to you because I say it in every video call when I talk to people for the first time, like the most dangerous part of Ukraine is the fact that you're probably not going to want to go home after you get here. Um, but it goes back to, I mean. I just, there's nothing I can do like this in the United States that brings this much value to anything. And then I just can't sit in the United States knowing that these guys are going through this and knowing that, I mean, we all spent time in the military. We all have things to be proud of prior to this, Mm -hmm. but nothing was this tangibly impactful where I can sit and go, I know for certain that if I did not come here, if I was not here, there are all these people that would be dead. Mm-hmm. And just because I came, these people are alive. So their children are going to be born who wouldn't have been born otherwise. And their grandchildren, like generational impact. I didn't have that opportunity in the military, that direct Absolutely. of a tangible, like I'm doing this. It's just, I mean, it's amazing. And so, I mean, dude, as a medic, like, not saying that what we're doing isn't important, <laughs> but you are probably saving countless lives uh the you know situations are going to come up that this medic's going to know what to do yeah. well he, uh, that might he knows that he's safe because he has us yeah you got to protect <laughs> the medic at all costs he's the most important guy on the team yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. knows that yeah, yeah there are no words that i can find to adequately describe what i encountered when i came to ukraine these people are incredible this cause is the most worthy effort that I've had the privilege of being involved with myself. If it's something that you feel you want to become involved with, either by volunteering or donating, I would ask that you look into Dark Horse Allies. Dark Horse is the organization that I'm involved with over here. It's a nonprofit organization. Members have been operating in Ukraine since the early days of the Russian invasion. Comprised of both civilians and military veterans like myself from around the world, Dark Horse is a collective of volunteers on an independent mission to try and preserve innocent human lives. The name Dark Horse is a nod to the unbreakable spirit of the Ukrainian people who entered this battle as underdogs, but have inspired the entire free world through their determination. And as we always tell these guys, 
by surviving with their hearts. If you would like to become involved, please head over to darkhorseallies.org or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at facebook.com slash darkhorseallies or obviously instagram.com slash darkhorseallies. By signing up right now to become an ally for as little as $7 a month, you could become a part of this effort. We would love to have you join us. If you're interested in volunteering, please reach out through the website. We do have opportunities for anybody that wants to become involved on any level. And now we return to the podcast. Oh, that's phenomenal. All right, so we took a break, and during said break, the reason we took said break is uh, one of the commanders from the unit we're working with showed up, um, and as Ukrainians do, he showed up with a bottle of vodka. Uh, Is this thing on? It is, and that was, I don't think it was even an hour ago, and that bottle's empty, so... It was um, a small bottle. It was a small bottle. It was a modest bottle, but it got the job done. So it's actually kind of perfect because what I was about to get into, I think will be better after a little bit of vodka um, because it was already going to be something we were all going to laugh every time I brought one of these up. So it'll be even better. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about the misinformation that is common very common in Russian propaganda, but has actually seeped into some of the Western media, and I see it. Yeah, I see it uh, making its way through Western media. Um, and so we'll start with one that I've had repeated to me by several of my friends, which is, from what we understand, a lot of the Ukrainians actually want to be part of Russia, and it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually Nicole, just like the go- <laughs> it's actually the government in Ukraine that's that's demanding it it keep all of its territories. But the Ukrainians themselves are actually pretty happy with the Russia idea. Um, so, having been in Ukraine for a little while and met a couple Russians, or well, there I go. Unfuck yourself, there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I need to be unfucked real hard. Uh, having met a couple Ukrainians, uh, what do you what do you think about that? particular line of words well circling back around to ukrainian pride um that's definitely not true yeah these people want their freedom they want their identity and they want people to know that it is separate from their so-called russian cousins yeah even calling them cousins of russia these days they they get a little upset if you even try and point out the similarities between their their culture and it's understandable it's a the ukrainian culture is actually a lot older than the russian man that was something i actually just learned and i'm a history nerd so i knew that like ukraine went way way back i did not know that what's kind of fun and maybe you already knew this since you just alluded to that is that one of the reasons and, and this I knew, that, that Putin specifically and a lot of the people in Russia want to claim uh, some sort of authority here is that Kiev used to be like the capital, which I did know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I didn't realize is that Ukraine existed as an entity before Russia existed. Yeah. And it was Ukraine. It was not Russia. It, it existed as Ukraine. And then from Ukraine sprang Russia... And Russia just ended up growing larger. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Russia kind of has this weird thing where they try to say, well, Ukraine is actually subjugate to us because we are, you know, we started there. And that's where Russia came from. And it is all part of Russia. But no, actually, 
Russia came from Ukraine. And if anybody is subjugate to anybody, it would be Russia mm-hmm. subjugate to Ukraine because Ukraine existed before Russia. I did not know that until. Well, yeah, it used to be recently, the, the yeah. Kievan Rus Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which I thought, you know, foolishly, apparently, ignorantly, rather, uh, was, was a Russia thing, but it wasn't. It was no, Ukraine. Not at all. And then was, Russia yeah. came out of Ukraine. Yeah. And I mean, even even going back the to the Kievan Rus days, they had their own Vikings, they had their own pirates. Like I, I've learned a lot. I fancy myself a bit of a pirate. I always kind of said that uh, <laughs> you're very pirate esque. Uh, I always said that they they were the original freedom fighters. Man, yeah. they stood up to the kings and queens of uh, Europe, and they just said, "We we're free men. We want to live on free lands. We want to live by our own rules." And coming here and presenting myself that way i've made a lot of good friends and um i learned about the pirates of ukrainian history man and like they were some brutal motherfuckers yeah. their warrior culture stretches back yeah, yeah. very far when did the cossacks come here or so the cossacks were actually originally from the crimea area oh, really? which makes it even more ironic yeah, yeah. crimea and like Kherson, where okay. they just really like everywhere down there along the sea um, it's kind of where they came along was, was the cost. And I mean, they went up, they, they, they stretched right up the river. And I mean, right. one of the, one of their main, uh, forts was in Zaporizhia. So, yeah. And uh, I didn't get to see it up close, but when I was in Zaporizhia, I did see the Island where they used to have the Cossack fort and you could go visit it and everything. And when the war began, um, the Ukrainian military initially had one of their bases at that old Cossack Island. But they moved it because OPSEC reasons and it became a quick target. So they didn't want to get cut off from the rest of Zaporizhia and everything. Yeah. So I started with that one because that's the one that just makes me laugh the hardest. Like, because I mean, I've literally had like people that I'm close to be like, well, you know, I've actually been hearing a lot. Like, yeah, um, most Ukrainians actually like really are totally cool with being part of russia it's just the government that wants to be Ukraine. i'm like are you fu-? like yeah. oh my god like if you think a country music concert in the south in the united states is patriotic with like american flags everywhere yeah. dude like literally everywhere you go here there's flags people are wearing blue and yellow their fences by their house are painted blue and yeah. yellow like the national anthem on the radio 24 7 dude you go like can you imagine going i don't know what your street is in your city where you lived in the states for me it's called glenwood south in raleigh which is like where all the younger people go it's mm-hmm. the street of bars where everybody goes but can you imagine walking down that and just hearing people just randomly singing the national anthem like that's never going to happen here like they're partying they're doing their thing just like we do in the states but when they get a little tipsy they all start singing national hymns and like the national anthem yeah. and, and they all have pretty good voices man I yeah that is one shitty yeah. song yeah, like, yeah. or one yeah. shitty uh singer yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like some of the most patriotic pro-ukraine like we will die before we will be russian mm-hmm. uh, cultures ever yeah so that one always makes me laugh real hard uh, the other misnomer is that the West uh, provocated all of this, that it's NATO is trying to spread this direction or George Soros came in and poured money in in 2014 during the Maidan revolution to try, which might be true. I mean, he does certainly meddle. The West meddles. Every country meddles in other countries' affairs. Of course. But, you know, like, French threw us some support in the American Revolution. Nobody says, well, France is the only reason America exists. Like, they didn't actually want to be free from Britain. France threw some support. That's why, like, these things might have happened. Maybe George Soros threw some money in because it was in his best interest. Maybe the Biden people got involved. Maybe the West was pushing... But a million people didn't show up on Maidan Square. The Orange Revolution yeah. didn't happen. 
all of these historical events of the Ukrainian people as we know them rising up for freedom didn't happen because of that. No. You know, just because it happened. Doesn't it was just time. They, they were tired of the bullshit and they decided to do something about it. Oh, and that would be like right now saying, well, they're only fighting against Russia because, you know, they got some high Mars from the United States. Like, no, they're getting some support. Well, everybody knows that the Ukrainian soldiers are just American too. soldiers in Ukrainian uniforms. <laughs> yeah, that's another fun one. Um, but no, and that's one of the things, too, that I try to tell people when they talk about, like, pulling support and stuff. I'm like, look, mm-hmm. you won't change anything except the number of innocent Ukrainians that will die. Yeah. No matter what, Ukraine is going to win this. Fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what, every Ukrainian is going to hold on until the end and, and not give in. Fact. The question is, how long will it take and how many innocent people will die? So if the whole West were to pull its support, still the same outcome. Yeah. Except that a lot more innocent Ukrainians die along the way. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's always a fun one. And then, uh, let's see, every Russian-speaking Ukrainian is persecuted and tortured for the last eight years and that's why russia's coming in to oh <laughs> coming God. in to save the day that's when you know the person's never been to ukraine yeah 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 that's another fun one yeah, yeah have you met a lot of ukrainian speakers where we are right now no not really. yeah. they're, how they're, about me <laughs> no, a lot of ukrainian speakers not, no. Did you see any blue and yellow flags in me alive? Did anyone seem to be pro-Ukrainian? Yeah. Yeah. And yet, what language did they speak? Russian. Yeah. What language is President Zelensky's first language? Russian. Yeah. That's just what a lot of these people, like, speak. And, I mean, you got to think about it. They're technically, they're they're newfound freedom. They're, They're, it was in 1991. Yeah. Well, so that's what it goes back to. And I'm sure some of it was intentionally systemic on the Russians part. But like if you go back to the USSR and this actually makes sense, might be the only time you'll hear me say that about anything uh, Russian based. But when it was the USSR, that's just simple economics. That's 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 fundamental. Like you need to have a language that everybody speaks. And that's what it was, is the USSR existed. They were all intertwined. The largest country in the USSR was Russia. Um, so it just kind of became the universal language for the sake of, of, uh, you know, making it easy to, to communicate when it came to economics, to work, to education. Um, and so all -hmm. of these secondary national languages still existed, but everybody was learning Russian. And then I'm sure that, you know, obviously Russia had its own agenda when it slowly but surely started to kill out some of those national languages or try to implement Russia as the primary language. Um, and I've met several Ukrainians who will tell stories about yeah. how, you know, they were systematically discouraged from speaking their native language. Well, you also hear stories um, about how Ukrainians were taken to Siberia yeah, as political the, prisoners, and then they just moved a lot of Russian citizens into Ukrainian right, city, or right. cities, and especially back when they took Crimea. That was what was going on. Oh, yeah. They that were, was all. Just, that was 100% of Crimea and the Donbass. Like, yeah. What we're dealing with in 2014 in was simply replacing So that they can yeah. say that we we're, we we want to be Russian. It's like, you're already Russian. Yeah, yeah. You came from Russia to Ukraine right. to try and take their country in a very sneaky way. But Well, that's what kind of pisses me off is I don't feel it's all that sneaky, but somehow it worked. Yeah. Like, a lot of the world's going, oh, we didn't realize that. I mean, like, Elon Musk, I love the man. He was my homie. Like, I was some big, hardcore Elon Musk fan until, like, some of this stuff where he's like, well, you know, if you look at the numbers, I'm like, the numbers, first off, if you're pro-Ukrainian, you live in Crimea, you're going to get killed or exiled. Yeah. Or you already evacuated. 
Um, so anyone that's left is clearly going to be somebody who's who's probably not super pro-Ukrainian. And most of the people living there mysteriously moved there in the last eight years. Isn't that kind of yeah. weird? Yeah. Like, come on, man. Not, like, not to mention, I mean, uh, I don't know how much you've heard about Western Russia. It's all shithole fucking farm villages and... Dude, it's beautiful. I've seen them say it on TikTok. It's gorgeous. They love their neighborhood. But of course they're going to yeah, just yeah, move yeah. over to Ukraine when, when Oh yeah, you get free beach beach property, beachfront property. Here, move out of your your block housing with with no walls and no running water and take a free beach house in Crimea. All you got to do is go on camera in front of the media and say, "We love Russia and we want to be part of Russia." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What's another really good one? Have you guys heard any that, that pops out at you that you've heard from from the West that you're just or like, even oh, just recently? On. We were we were talking about the one where they they just fucking bust and overnight just a shitload of Russians would show up and and take over the neighborhood. And the next day they're out there in the streets protesting against Ukraine and all that. That's the main one, but but no, like some of the things um from the like obviously from Russia, it's just astounding. Like. All right, so there was bio labs on the border that didn't oh, hold yeah, up. So then it was labs. super so then Ukrainian soldiers. So then it was yeah. denazifying, right? Because mm-hmm. you know everybody over here is a Nazi, even though without question the most fascist, uh, similar to Nazi regime on the planet right now is Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you you take half a swastika away, and what is then it? everyone's Nazi? Or, I'm sorry, everyone's Satanists. Have you heard that one yet? Oh no, like, yeah, Satanists. Um, Satanism is huge in Ukraine. A lot of Satanists. Um, what else? What's some of other Putin's zingers? I mean, aside from the whole, like, I now own Kherson. Oh, yeah. Although I think my favorite was the super backpedal on uh, Lyman. That was hands down my favorite because, like, they came out, annexed it. It's part of the Russian Federation. Two days later, we take Lyman. So he, like, literally signs a decree, like, Lyman's actually not part of the Russian Federation. That's not how this works. You were literally the guy that like his girlfriend sits down and she's like, I'm breaking up with you. And he's like, I break up with you first. Yeah. And then like yeah. runs around and tells everybody like, no, I broke up with her first. Like exactly. that's, I mean, no. Um, what's another one from the West? that's just made my head explode being over here and being like, you clearly just don't get it. Um, I feel like there was one other that I was going to bring up and now I don't, I'm going to blame Yuri's bottle of vodka. I can't remember what it was. It'll come back to us. Yeah, it is what it is. So Yuri, uh, Yuri was just talking to us. Um, what do you guys think about the, uh, actually I probably shouldn't talk about that on here. Yeah. Probably. Never mind. Opsec. I'm going to backpedal on that. Uh, maybe at some point, if we decide it's something we can talk about, we'll talk about this, this potential next adventure of dark horse allies. Um, but for OPSEC reasons, we're going to leave that off of this one. Use but, your imagination. Uh, <laughs> run wild. Okay. Uh, well, don't run too wild. We are not going to be fighting on the front lines. Of course. I not. need to clarify that. Um, uh, just to make sure that that does not become a rumor. What else? What do you guys got? What do you want to talk about? Or is it time? No, I don't think it's time. No, yet. no. We still got is some. It, like, is it time? Oh, that time. Is it time? No, I think we still have a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, you just that. don't want to get into time it. Don't lie about it. it. So, the vodka settle. so uh, actually, I'm going to say this first. 
Ukrainian food is amazing. Yeah. I have never gone on a deployment, which this isn't really a deployment, but I have like, and had a problem with trying not to gain weight. Like, he, like I mean, the food here is amazing. Yeah, we could have a two-hour conversation about borscht. Just borscht, Vereniki, Sireniki, all of it. But, comma, however, comma. Um, there are still some cultural tastes that are a little foreign to the uh, to the old Western tongue and eyeball. Um, so the real end, <laughs> the real end of variations of fish. That is how that fish was caught out of the ocean. And um, just pull it up in the jar right away. I don't know. Side jars <laughs> for us. I don't even know what it like. I'm gonna say it's pickled fish because it's. In a jar with what looks like pickle juice. Yeah, there's... And I'm relatively certain that at some point that was a fish. Um, And then... Or it's just pieces of Cthulhu. Pickled pig, I'm guessing. I can't tell if it's pig feet Um, or... Well, so this looks like Salo at the top. Pig fat, right? Yeah. Which is also a delicacy over here. So I'm going to assume that's pig. I don't even know. We might need a knife to get into this because that's like solid Salo. It's not... It's no flotation. So we, um, we're going to eat this it's on camera. I think we, I think we still have in front of God and everybody. <laughs> He's not ready. It's not that I'm not ready. I just feel like there's more we can discuss when it comes yeah. to Ukraine. Cause well, I mean, we can still talk after we eat the fish. Okay. Let's get, yeah. Let's, Probably let's not after we it. eat the pork, but maybe I'm <laughs> as a fisherman. <laughs> I am obligated. Doc just suddenly decided he's Jewish. He's like, I don't eat pork. I'm sorry. I can't do that. It's against my religion. Get the old snip. We'll go straight into the dude. Don't ever smell it first. It's fish, man. You know what? Does that smell like your ex? Don't lie to me right now. Smells like we're dying. Kelly, is that you? (laughs) I really hope her name's Kelly and she's listening. Well, one of them. Um, That's not who I was talking about. Okay, I want you to describe that with all the fervor of a freaking hipster talking about his new IPA. I want to hear every little last nose and scent that you're smelling right now. Tell me how those fish were raised. Oh, he's drinking the juice. Jeez. He's got it in his beard. Oh, it's definitely on it's his not mustache. Suki blat. Oh. Come on, man. Zyabees. I don't believe no, you even a little bit. Bad, I'll try some. No, you got to eat some fish, man. Get in there and get some. Is, fish. is it okay if I just reach in with my finger? Bro, nothing oh, you're yeah, gonna do, nothing you're gonna do is make that more gross <laughs> than it already is for me. Nothing. Oh, oh that is come nice. on, man. Do you want some bread with that? All right. So anyone who's not watching and they're just listening, this is a jar with what looks like completely raw, never cooked chunks of fish with the skin and scales still on it. That's been in a pickle jar for God only knows how long. It looks like it came from a Halloween store. Like it's a prop, and no offense to you it. Ukrainians, but as no. a fisherman, some of the ways you yeah. guys eat fish blows my yeah. fucking mind. And I mean, we might be there's about to discover that we absolutely it. love this, and well, of you... course, there's still bone in it. <laughs> oh yeah, there's still gonna be bone in it. I'm pretty sure the eyeballs are still. Oh, he put the whole piece in his mouth, and he's making the face that I expected him to make. This. Mm. Let me get close enough to my. Oh, that I sounded juicy. With that in your mouth. <laughs> Lance, give me some. Give me some. Talk about it. Let's hear, hear, hear what you're tasting. What are the flavors? Oh, you took a whole Fishing. piece. Because I was planning on just taking a little bite, but now you took a whole freaking piece. What are you tasting, man? I got to work through the bone. <laughs> through the bone? 
Oh, jeez. There we go. Was it just one piece of bone? I don't know yet. Okay. Pretty big piece. Okay. All right, here I go. All right. He's in. He's in. Oh, there's the face. There's a lot of bone in this one. Oh, a lot of bone. See, this is why you're supposed to just like take bites until you get to the bone. Oh, It's also warmer than I thought it would be. Well, we, it wasn't refrigerated. Oh, there's a chunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you had enough that you can start describing the flavor, because if we're all eating at the same time, it's going to be radio silence. So I'm yeah, not. But my mom told me to chew my food first. <laughs> I'm sure your mom also said never eat fish with the skin still on it out of a pickle jar in eastern Ukraine. But here we are. Mm-hmm. No, my, my my platoon sergeant said though, <laughs> if it smells like fish, eat all you wish. If it smells like cologne, leave that shit alone. <laughs> well, I think it's safe to say this probably does not smell like cologne. Oh. What do you got, man? Yes or no? It's is way, it good? Yes. yes. Is it good? Is it something that we are going to start eating now? It tastes better than it looks. Okay. Yeah. Is this something we're going to start eating now? I mean, are you guys going to kill this whole bottle man, I'm not tonight? Be rude, the whole jar tonight? You no, know, I'm not going to eat the whole jar yet. Uh, we don't have running water. You know what kind of hellish <laughs> shit I might have to take later? I'm not trying <laughs> to true. hang my ass That's off true. the balcony. Whatever you put in the toilet tonight, I'm going to have to smell for the next few days because there's no running water. Yeah. So um, maybe we should... Not Maybe. All right. Well, you guys need to start describing this flavor while I jump in here. It's it's uh it's there. fishy. Okay. It tastes like home in a way. I kind of feel comfortable. I'm right not sure. Now. Well, well, you are from New Jersey, so that's yeah. yeah. Tasting like home is a pretty broad spectrum of trash. Sorry, everybody. From the New consistency's Jersey. not bad. It's uh, yeah. It's a uh, thumbs up for me. It's good. Yeah. It's not bad. Oh, shit. That's good. I know that. <laughs> Bro, you guys had me, like, thinking this was going to be really nasty. No, that was that was part of the mystery. I didn't want to let you know how good it actually was. Oh, it's not it bad take, at all. It would take away from the fear that I could see in your face. Oh, yeah, I was dreading this. Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although you guys definitely screwed up by just, like, throwing it in your mouth. Like I said, get like bite off the meat. Don't just take the whole bone in your mouth. That's no, that's not bad. Said. I hope she didn't say bite off the meat, dude. She said don't take the whole bone in her <laughs> well, Okay, maybe, but the <laughs> bite off the meat part. No, that's not. I'm trying to think of what that tastes like because there's something coming to mind. That's don't say thing. it. Don't say it. I can't place it. Hold on. It does taste familiar, yeah, but yeah. I can't quite place it. It's definitely not like any fish I've ever had before. Mm-mm. Well, I mean, the pickle taste is obviously strong. Yeah. I can't place it, but it has a familiar esque taste. I would do it again. Just not right now. We got <laughs> I was gonna say, I'll call you out on that, buddy. All right, that's um, not bad. Out of all the fish I've seen here, that's that's worse. Well, as a fisherman, I like the first time I went into a supermarket here, it blew my mind the way they just have shit frozen like one species of fish next to another species yeah, of yeah. fish next to another species of fish, and I'm like I guess there's no cross contamination in Ukraine, but <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, did you do the training down in Scully at all? No. So we're not in Scully, which is in the uh, Carpathian Mountains. 
Oh, yeah. I was highly upset I didn't get to go to the Carpathian. No, I was just kind of saying that for anybody listening who doesn't know where Schooley is. But uh, so this training down in Schooley, an army unit down there, and I don't know, one of the first couple nights, they want to take us out and treat us as almost every Ukrainian that we help does because they're just so incredibly kind. And so they're, they're like, we're taking you to this really nice restaurant. And we go, and I mean, the setting is unbelievable. Like, you pull in to, well, around here there's a lot of this, but a road that doesn't even look like it's a real road. You're like ATV trail sort of deal. Drive back through, and I'm like, man, people actually like drive back here to go to the restaurant? That's crazy. And you pull up, and literally the animals that are going to be on, like, tomorrow night's menu are in the pens. Like, you pull up, and there's, like, <laughs> pigs here, chickens there. Like all the, and you're like, wow, this is going to be fresh, right? Yeah. And uh pond, stocked pond with all the fish in it. Hell yeah. Um, so you sit down and they're like, it's a five course meal. We're like, oh, cool. Like you don't order off of a menu. You just, they bring out you these eat five what they courses, got. right? Yeah. So they bring out, and I should preface, this is the first army unit we trained. Okay. So. My experience out of Lviv, outside of Lviv, is kind of starting here. I've I've pretty much just experienced Lviv. Actually, we had kind of just started the unit up in Kiev at the same time as this one. Yeah. So I'd done Kiev and Lviv, and uh, so round one comes and it's it's the whole fish on a piece of bread. Yeah, eyeballs, tail. You guys have all seen it at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. Not my cup of tea. Like I can, I can eat anything. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh my god, I definitely can't eat that. But not appetizing whatsoever for me to look at. Yeah. Like, all right, well, it's round one of five. We'll get through it. All five courses was just a different whole fish, <laughs> like <laughs> oh. it served a different way. Like a whole fish, eyeball, tail, all five rounds were this some fish in lettuce. some different this way. And I was just like, bread. I was this like, man, a tomato. I, ate, another fish. <laughs> I ate so many potatoes that night. Cause that was the only side dish. I'm like murdering these potatoes and taking one bite of each fish and like passing around. But yeah. no, it was, it's just different. It's not wrong. It's the, not bad. I can't even sit here and say honestly that it was bad. Cause yeah. it wasn't, it was just something that was completely foreign to me. Yeah. Mentioning that keep unit. Um, they had, some of the best cooks I've ever experienced wow. here in Ukraine was was these guys out in Kiev. And keep in mind, we're we're staying out in the woods while we're while we're training these guys. So they have like, uh, and for anyone listening, like this was kind. Of, I think it was the first unit trained with us, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had messaged him because he had told me like, Lance is like, hey, you know, me and Ross are going to be going with this unit, and and they're going out in the woods, and they're going to set up a whole camp out there. And, gonna be living in the woods and i was like all right man well like send me a pin around where it is and i'll try to find you like an airbnb close by or somewhere that you guys can say he's like nah man we're camping with the we're in this like I that's like that's lands lands goes like, with i the, got a hammock lands goes right with now, the homies. he was like i don't think you understand i'm excited like we are in this we're excited so like, airbnb anyways, yeah. save that shit for hawaii dog <laughs> yeah. i'm out in the woods with a yeah. hammock <laughs> he was excited so anyways continue yeah, yeah. but no so not only did they have like a uh they they had number one uh they set this camp up in like two or three days and it was a nice camp yeah they and they had it. like a whole kitchen area and overhang they had, had like a, a grocery uh, store underground yeah, they awesome. dug yeah. into a hill yeah. to keep like their perishables and shit a little cooler. Yeah. But they also had um 
they had built a smoker into the hill. Like a, a straight up smoker. Oh yeah. And they had, they would go out to the river with nets and catch fresh fish. So the first day we actually had uh Jesse was still with us. And he wasn't too keen on the fish they brought out. So I ate my fish. Then he was from like the fish. Vancouver area. I know. Like, you would think he lived it. on fish. Yeah, but he was wow. like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And I was like, all right, dude, give me that shit. And I'm yeah. fucking eating the whole thing, picking the bones out, like stoked on this fish. Yeah, man. smoked fish. But oh, yeah, yeah, all of the army guys over here can cook pretty well, but I still yeah. haven't come across anyone that, was that your, can cook that was the quite one, like huh? the Keeve guys, man. Yeah. The borscht they made, yeah. different kind of soup every day. Um, the soups go hard here. Eggy bread. Yeah. And I like I had never heard it called eggy bread yeah. until Ross, the British bastard we hang with, is like, "Oh, I grew up on eggy bread." And I'm like, "What the fuck is eggy bread, man?" He's like, "Oh, it's just bread fraud and egg." I was like, "Okay, it's eggy bread." I mean, common common knowledge, man. But no, nah, it's just never. Yeah, so they kind of they're also the unit though that offended me the most food wise. Really? Oh yeah. I don't know if you were there. Probably not. I think it was day one. I think it was just me and Calvin. Maybe you might have been there. I remember, like, as soon as I say the story, you day. might go, "Oh, I know." Well, what they he's brought about the to pizza say. and shit. Yes, pizza and fries. It was like the most stereotypical <laughs> bullshit. Because we're in line at lunchtime, and I'm looking at this big pot of borscht, yeah. and bread, and pasta, and everything that Ukrainians make that is ever so fucking wonderful. And I'm like, "Hell yeah, we're in line with the troops. Gonna get lunch." And the officers come up like, no, 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 for you guys, we have something special. Come back to the motor pool. And I'm like, no, nah, man, like, I'm excited about the borscht. It's cool. Like, we don't like special treatment. We're just yeah. here with the boys. Like, no, 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 for you, we have something special. I'm like, all right. I mean, you you know, you don't say no to a Ukrainian. Oh, yeah, you can't. Oh, you can't, no. So well, you can tell them that you you just ate, and they're like, I don't care. You eat more. <laughs> Maybe you'll find more room in your stomach. So... So we walk around the corner, and it's Domino's Pizza and French Fries. Was it Domino's? Yes! They had ordered Domino's Pizza and, like, a bunch of French fries from I don't even know where. And that was what they had provided, which was, of course, incredibly sweet. They went out of their way. No, like, no. they ordered food, brought it in, because they're like, oh, these are Americans. This will be, like, a taste of home, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you don't understand. I like your taste of home better. Well, like, I was offended that day because of the gift you got that none of us got to participate in. What did I got? You don't remember the big bottle of whiskey they gave you? Uh, so they were being yeah. extra stereotypical. They're like, uh, here's pizza. Yeah, but they fries, were right on with that Coca-Cola, stereotype. Then here's a big yeah. bottle of whiskey. They were right on with that stereotype. Yeah. Whiskey. Yep. You nailed it, guys. You nailed, You made up for the Domino's pizza and right. french fries by adding a bottle of whiskey. The Chernobyl yeah. unit made us uh, Closer nuggets. to the microphone. Closer the Chernobyl unit made us chicken nuggets for one breakfast. Oh, Wait, yeah. chicken nuggets for breakfast? Yeah. Wait, hold on now. Made you? Like no 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 I don't oh. think they made them they, they just said oh, we okay. have I was nuggets say, that'd be and we're like okay what what kind of nuggets is this gonna happen like and we go there and it's just like a big bowl of nuggets and then like I'm not gonna lie little fried cornbreads or some yeah, like shit hush like bro that yeah, sounds like hush delicious no it was I'm not gonna lie chicken nuggets and it hush was. puppies like I'm in no barbecue sauce though no barbecue yeah. sauce that's the only thing that's lacking here is well no they have barbecue sauce but yeah, like, I was gonna, I was gonna say, say hot sauce. sauce I was gonna say hot sauce man hot Nothing sauce is, is the thing so Same I'm actually hot sauce, people 
I like Cholula. No, I'm actually oh, Louisiana. Stop it! You're making me hungry. Red hot because you're naming all my shit. Maybe like maybe maybe Franks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe you like the Texas the Frank. Oh, Texas. Yeah, literally anything. Well, I mean, Texas <laughs> Texas Pete is good, but after everything you just named, that's like yeah. Mm. Mm. Cholula is the shit. Cholula yeah, is the, the shit. I'd even settle for uh, the hell is it called? I'm having a brain fart here. I don't know. It sounds delicious. So sriracha. I, I'd even settle for bro. A big what do you mean settle for sriracha? sriracha? Sriracha's delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just for different things. Yeah, sriracha is pretty much just for chicken for me. Mm-hmm. Sriracha on chicken, banging. Yeah. Everything else that gets hot sauce, which is pretty much everything, Cholula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in fact, I actually, uh, I made the mental note the other day that I'm just going to give up and, uh, start Googling recipes and figure out how to make hot sauce from scratch. Cause, cause I we need could it. I need hot sauce, man. Or for as many trips as you made back to the States, I'm surprised you didn't bring no Cholula back. Dude, yet. you can't bring food. You could put a bottle of hot sauce in a carry or not a carry on, but the check the bag. Yeah. Man, I don't need them having a reason to yeah. take stuff out of my check bags with the stuff I'm bringing in those check bags. <laughs> no, man, I ain't messing around. Because like, trust me, if I was going to do that, I would have brought back a whole case of Gushers, too. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. A little disappointed they don't have Gushers over here. That's right. I'm a man's man. I like Gushers. Gushers are good. Gushers. I like when it explodes in your <laughs> fruit, mouth. Fruit by the foot. <laughs> but no, they have those. Uh, what are they called? There's a name for them. Fruit by the meter. well played sir well played no there's a name for them uh and i was just introduced to them actually recently they're skinnier Mm -hmm. um they're like they're real thin but it's the exact same thing tastes exactly like fruit by the foot i was pretty excited fruit by the meter i like that Fruit by the meter yeah yeah we could probably start that man speaking of weird like food stuff what the actual fuck is up with McDonald's obsession, man. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, Holy shit. Like, I thought it was weird when everybody was... So for the people listening that don't know, McDonald's is one of the few places that universally closed the down in Ukraine as soon as this war started. Mm-hmm. All of their all of their branches in Ukraine shut down. But they continued to pay their employees, which I thought was... I didn't cool. know that. No, they, they did. did. The entire time they were Oh, shut that's down, awesome. I didn't know that. They were paying their employees. That's a fact. Yes. Fact. Oh, that's really cool then. McDonald's... Your food still sucks, but hats off to you. That's awesome. Uh, your fries are banging. I'll give you that. Um, no, that's cool. I didn't know that. Kill but, for a Big Mac right now. No. Ugh. So I already thought that it was weird that they were so like obsessed with talking about how how sad they were that McDonald's was closed. Mm-hmm. But when that McDonald's opened in Kiev, it was over three weeks ago at this point. It looks like a fucking Kiss concert outside. There was a line... Three blocks long for 72 hours. Like, I obviously wasn't there all 72 hours, but I'm saying for three straight days I drove by. There was yeah. a line three blocks long. I just swung through Kiev yesterday. There was still a line down the street from McDonald's. It's been open over three weeks. And I'm not talking about like this point, high school I, kids. I gotta try. I'm not talking about high school kids. I'm talking about like the $250,000 Mercedes parked out front yeah. while somebody's in line from, from high society, Kiev, waiting for their double cheeseburger. To be honest, from my experience traveling, like when I lived in Doha, like the fast food restaurants over there were 10 times better than they were in America. Like I had KFC in Doha. Oh, and here, it, just yeah, the same as the states had it. It was so good. 
Like, I don't know. Like, I guess they're they're good jobs over in those kind of countries. Well, I mean, they so, also don't allow all the chemicals in their food yeah, that we that do. Yeah, too. So, so that's a huge part, I'm sure. But like, Papa John's, banging in Doha. Fucking KFC, delicious as fuck. Okay, but did you have the same quality of options? Because that's my retort. When people are like, McDonald's is better here. I'm like, that might be the case. But all the food here is freaking amazing. So McDonald's yeah. is never even going to cross my mind. Mm-hmm. True. But no, sometimes you just get curious. You're like, all right, well, I got to know. Is it anywhere the same or like Like similar? when you eat pickled fish out of a jar? Yeah, like when you eat like yeah. Which actually turned out to be good. Maybe McDonald's is good. No, I'm just playing. Maybe. I'm sure that the, the McDonald's is not terrible, but literally every other option is better here. You like don't name something here. the Big Tasty without being big and tasty. Or you're just full of shit. I don't know. But wait, what do they call the Big Tasty? Uh, it's kind of like the I think you just made pounder. that up. No, 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 because I asked. I asked him. I was like, what do you get at McDonald's when you go? He's like, I get the big taste. <laughs> yeah, he did. I can totally hear Dima saying that. <laughs> and I was that. like, yeah, is yeah. that like the Big Mac? And he's like, no, it's different than the Big Mac. Yeah. And I was like, well, now I'm curious. Because yeah. you could even make the argument like. A Royale with cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like you can make the argument maybe that like, well, you know, it's fast food and there's not really fast food places here. Yeah. Not when the line's three blocks long. Still not fast oh, I'm, food. I'm team shawarma all, all, all the day. See, that's shawarma. your fast food right there. Yeah. Shawarma. Like, I'll take kebabs. Shawarma. Hit me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except I still haven't had a shawarma as delicious as what I had in Doha. So it's still a letdown. Dude, what? Yeah. I feel like there's some shawarma places I need to introduce you to in, in your car. I mean, I've never had one in Doha. Yeah. So I can't say for certain, but I've had some banging shawarma. Oh, I have too. I'm just saying there's uh, none quite like the uh, one. And it might have been the company. It might have been the night. It might have been the the because I pissed on a Lamborghini <laughs> after leaving the the club. But uh, are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. Well, it was a, it was a Lamborghini. I was like, this is. If my anything, only I'm surprised somebody let him close to a Lamborghini. <laughs> but that would be about it. Yeah. Well, no, they didn't know where I was. They ordered my shawarma, and I was with. Uh, this is a different Dima. This is the Dima I met in you or in Ukraine. Fuck, <laughs> in Doha. And uh, I was hanging out with him. Where was he from in Ukraine? Severodonetsk. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, we're actually, like, for upset reasons, we won't say exactly where we are right now, but you know we're actually fairly close to Severodonetsk oh, right now, yeah. Yeah, well, he's in Australia now. He got his oh, family out. Oh, I know. Out well, I, mean, I hope he's not he in got, Severodonetsk um, right now because it's occupied, but no. I'm saying we're we're actually in close proximity. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, he already knows. Well, actually, I don't know if I hit him up recently and let him know. But, yeah. Anyway, I was with him, uh, some people from Spain, some people from Turkey, uh, a couple Qataris, and we were all hanging out after a night out drinking. And this was after I met him playing guitar. And I'm getting to know these people. And, and being in the Middle East at first, like I was very careful who I let know that I was ex-military. Mm-hmm. But once I found out, they're like, yo, we, we never would have guessed that you're like an ex- Professional? Yeah, an ex-infantryman. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so they order they're like have you had a shawarma here yet and i'm like no what's that And they're like it's like a middle eastern burrito and i was like word let's do it yeah. so they ordered it and i went around the corner because we had been drinking and now we're out on the street in an arabic country and i happened to turn the corner and you know like any reasonable dude from jersey when he's got a piss he just whip it out and piss on whatever car is there that's not a thing Unless you're from Jersey. You're right. Unless you're from sorry, South Sorry, Jersey. sorry, sorry. You're right. Yeah. So it was a Lamborghini. And I was like, well, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So, uh, sir from Qatar, whose Lamborghini I pissed on, I apologize. 
But was uh, it at least yellow already? No, I think it was yeah. Christmas red. Is that different than regular red? Apparently. Okay. Uh, no, did you like just piss on the dude's tires, or did you piss on the Lamborghini? I pissed on the door handle. That's dude. on the door <laughs> handle. Who does that? It's a Lamborghini, it's, dude. It's, what are you? It's, hold it's on. low to the ground. That's not. That's what. A good friend does that too, because you know what? My buddy in Missouri got cheated on by his girlfriend, right? So one night I'm walking past. Were you ever banging the dude that owned the Lambo? No. Then it's not the same. Well, maybe. <laughs> Was it Thursday? I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, we're getting off track there. My bad. But uh, yeah. So shawarmas, all about that. That's the fast food I need uh, in Ukraine. Fuck McDonald's. No, I mean doesn't mean that. I'm not gonna try it before I leave. But as long as that line's three blocks long, I'm not going to. No, sir. It's when you just pull out the old. American passport and be like, listen, I got a, I got a, I got a meeting with McDonald's in there. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I use the meeting line a lot. I don't think it would work there. I don't think it would work there. This is critical for national security that I eat these French fries. We got to, uh, we got to try it out though. I think just for scientific purposes. Man, that line's got to go down. Otherwise, I'm out. What else, guys? What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I feel like uh, this Luke, you're staying real quiet over there. Is it because you guys won't shut the fuck up? Probably. <laughs> yeah, let's hear from Luke. What's, what, yeah, are, Luke. what are your impressions? You're the one that's the newest to the crew. Like, give us more impressions on Ukraine. Don't tell us what your first impression was of Lance, because. <laughs> oh, I already know. I already know. <laughs> In the middle of being on one when I met him, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I was a little. Uh, yeah. Frustrated with how things were going. Yeah, not you know so this I might come as a shock a to some people, but things are not always easy and happy. Yeah, uh, over here. But uh, there is still bureaucracy. There's still uh, channels you have to go through to get things done the the right way. Yeah. Well, let's go. So, Luke, what um, I would say if you're talking to the American people, but the vast majority of people listening to this will be the American people. So since you're talking to the American people and you have the freshest perspective, uh, since we're both kind of battle hardened, cranky people at some points, you have a fresh perspective on things here. Like, what do you think they just don't know that they would need to know? Like, what is, what is something if you could just find words to say, that you think they should know about what's happening in Ukraine as opposed to what the common perception is of what's happening in Ukraine. I would say one thing that I didn't realize uh, before coming here, even though when I was doing my research and all that, is the average age of the soldier is much older than I was thinking it would be, which is very like... I don't know how it makes me feel like in a way bad in a way it's kind of motivating to see these older guys stepping up and doing it. But, uh, it's definitely different seeing a military more old, Seasoned. like more mature. Yeah. I would Seasoned. say I'm actually glad you brought that up. Cause I don't know if I ever have, and that's definitely an observation I've made too. That's impacted me for some reason. I don't know that I've ever brought it up when I'm talking to people. Yeah. Like you're right. And I'm sure that some of that has to do with the fact that most military, typical military aged guys, uh, were probably already on the front because they had already been in the military or, yeah. or quickly joined. But 
you're right. It's um, I mean, we talked we talked about it. It's for one, it's sad. Yeah, like I see these, and when he says, for the people listening, when he says older, he's he's trying to be polite. It's, he's not talking old like everybody likes to joke and call me old at forty. He's talking like guys in their sixties. Yeah, um, who you typically wouldn't expect to take a laborer's job. Um, right. Yeah. Not being conscripted, like volunteering yeah. to fight for their country. And it is on one hand sad because because you're like, geez, man, like I'm worried about you. Yeah. On the other hand, like you said, it is it's like, damn, that's incredible. Like that's yeah. impressive. Like this guy has every reason to be I mean, this dude was not only around, but an adult in the Soviet era. He's already seen shit. He's already yeah. been through shit. He's he could very easily be like, "This is a young man's game." Like, I'm going to sit back and 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 yet they sign up. You know, it's surprising too. I've met some guys that were in the Russian military at some point or another in their life that had been deployed to Afghanistan, but got out, live in Ukraine, want nothing to do with Russia, man. Like uh, this guy, um. It was his birthday, actually, and, and going back to, to food a little bit, it was on a um, almost a farm. They had horses. They had pigs. They had just slaughtered that pig fresh that morning. It was for his birthday and another guy's birthday, and I had the opportunity to talk to this guy a little bit, and he was telling me about his time in Afghanistan under uh, the Soviet Army and everything, and he, he embraced me, man. Like He embraced me on his birthday, and he was just so happy that I was there willing to help and and he he wanted nothing to do with Russia's hate. He was so full of love. And even though that once he was a Russian soldier, he was still proud of what he had been through in his life, but he didn't want to be remembered for being a Russian soldier. He didn't agree with the shit Russia's doing nowadays, but just meeting guys that have already been there and done that and then are able to change their perspective, it, it shows me that these people really do have an open heart and an open mind. And then adding to that, just meeting some of the guys that we have through training that had prior military service, some of them more service than I did in the American military. Yeah. But they still wanted to hear our opinion. They still were respectful. And if nothing else, it just helped make my job a little easier because they were able to motivate their newer soldiers and make them realize why the shit we were teaching them is so important. Yeah. Yeah. No, humble would be a good word to describe. Ukrainians. Yeah. yeah. There's been, like you just said, I'm just going to basically echo what you said. Like there's been a couple times where somebody has seemed, uh, you know, open ears listening. And then I find out like who they are, what they've done. Yeah. And I'm like, Bro, why didn't you just be like, shut up, whippersnapper? <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. I already know this, but that's not the way they operate. They no. they respect everyone's experiences and everybody's value, and and they're never gonna throw their own uh, experience in your face. Yeah, yeah. Very rarely do you ever get one where like, oh, well, I did this, and but that's just yeah. that's bravado, man. That's being a man. Yeah, you're always gonna try and measure up against someone yeah. in some way or another, but it's really not that common here, man. Yeah. Like you said, they're just very humble people, and they're they're very appreciative of us being here and grateful. Yeah. What do you think? Um, what would your What would your comment be if you're if you're sitting in a bar in the states, and that person sits down next to you that echoes what some Americans and a lot of politicians are saying, and says, "I'm sure Ukraine's nice people, but 
We need to stop spending our tax dollars on Ukraine. We have our own problems at home. What do you say? Today it's Ukraine. Tomorrow, where does it end? Yeah. What do you got, Luke? I would say we need to be behind every fight for freedom. That's a damn good answer. Hell yeah. And it's also like there's a whole lot more to that. Yeah. But that's a really good way to sum it up. Um, because that's what this is. And, and, and I don't know if everyone realizes that, like I can sit here and history nerd out over why this is not just a fight for Ukrainian people, but that it's, you know, important to stop this, this push for taking territory, which hasn't been done since the world wars. There's been a lot of wars. None of them have yeah. been about taking somebody's territory. Um, but even without saying any of that, like you just said, this is a war of a governing style that is imperialistic and believes that the government is above the people and the people are peasants and cannot control themselves or the government that does not want to see the world become democratic, does not want to see that power regime in which they maintain the top position go away. And that is what it boils down to. I mean, I can yeah. go on about all the different reasons that Putin and Russia are invading and, and, and nerd out over that for a long time, but we can do that in other podcasts. Like the, at the end of the day, this really is about if democracy happens successfully next door and my people see that and it starts to filter in here, I will lose all of my power. Yeah. We will lose the way that the Soviet thing runs and we can't have that. So this is a war of imperialism versus freedom that is literally what this is um yeah, so that was a really good nothing, really good one sentence way to say all of that really is that we need to be involved it. in every fight for freedom this isn't um, some jihad yeah. religion really wasn't brought into it no. uh but let, let's be honest here uh russia's trying to set an example and you got other countries like russia mm-hmm. that are trying to do the same thing and if we let russia do this they're going to know that they can get away with it too. North Korea, China, countries down in Africa. Iran. Iran. Yep. The list goes on. But yep. if, if we don't stand up to someone who thought they were number one in the world. Yep. Where does it end? Where, where, where think, are we gonna, what are we going to accept next? I think that's what like hurts slash makes my blood boil the most when I hear those comments. Is because I'm just like. It's bad enough that these people are going through what they're going through over here. Like we haven't even touched on the tortures, the rapes, the mass graves. The, yeah. I mean, not just war, terrorist, terrible terrorist shit, right? It's bad enough that everyone over here is going through what they're going through. But then on top of that, the fact that they're shouldering it all without complaints and fighting the fight without complaints yeah asking for some weapons asking for that kind of help but never once have they reached out and been like send in your troops because they understand the politics behind yeah. it and why it's dangerous that they're shouldering what is every free country's battle this is literally if you want to take benevolence out of it and say that you don't care at all about the ukrainian people still need Ukraine to win this war for the sake of your own country. If you're a free country, the fact that everyone here is going through the hell they're going through shouldering all of that for the rest of the free world and still getting disrespected with, well, it's not our war. Like that's, that's what gets my blood going. That's what it hurts because I, 
I know where it comes from, and I know the vast majority of people saying it on the civilian level in the West, not nefarious in nature, yeah. not not like misintended. Like they literally just are weary of us fighting in wars all over the world. They're like, this is not our war. We need to stop spending our tax dollars on it. But like, take the ten minutes to do a little friggin' research. Like, do a little and realize this is your damn war, and someone else is voluntarily dying by the thousands fighting it for you. The least you can do is support with weapons, with whatever you yeah. can to help them win this war. Like they are dying for freedom, freedom that you are enjoying just like the rest of the free world. And it's just as at risk for us and the United States for Europe as it is for Ukraine. That's and they're cr fighting what's crazy too, is yeah. I've had a lot of Ukrainians, whether it was uh, just civilians or I've had a few guys in the military ask me this. They're like, why are you here? This isn't your war. Why why are you here? I'm like, this this is my war. Mm -hmm. This is everyone's war. This is the start of World War Three if we let it get that yeah. far. Yeah. So ignoring it like we did all those years ago, like we could have stopped this a lot sooner if people would have just got involved quicker. Yeah. If well, I mean this war started in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. It's been going if we'd have gotten involved in two thousand fourteen, yeah. it wouldn't be where it is today. Yeah. But everybody just ignored it. Like, but you, you can't ignore it now. There's, there's, it's in everyone's face. Yep. Yes, there's a lot of shit going on in the world. Yes, bad things happen to everybody in every country. But this is on a, a on a different level. Well, not only is it like another level, because I've made that comment before. Like, I try not to judge a sense of apathy in the West because I'm guilty. Like, there's terrible things happening in Africa. There's terrible things happening. I'm not there. I'm yeah. not thinking about it. I'm not posting about it on my social media. Um, so I understand, like, not my backyard, not on my mind. Um, but, like, you kind of alluded to, this isn't a war about religion. This isn't a war about, at the end of the day, it's truthfully not a war about territory. This is literally a war against freedom and democracy. That yeah. is literally what this is. Sorry if I take that a little personal. Yeah, and so that's exactly. where you say, like, those other things are terrible, and they deserve attention, and they deserve, you know, people sticking up for people that are disadvantaged. But you can kind of make the argument of not my war because the motivation behind those things isn't a direct threat against freedom per se. That's not the motivation behind. This yeah. is literally a war against the philosophy of free democracy. That's mm -hmm. what this is. Is this is and it's not just Russia. You nailed it, man. That is the new axis of evil that is trying to form. It's Russia, Iran, China, North Korea. Mm -hmm. Like that is those countries hate each other. They're bonding over a joint hatred for democratic freedom, yeah. which isn't even so much a hatred for democratic freedom, a hatred for any threat to their imperialist power exactly. structure that they all that they all employ. Um so, yeah, it is our battle. It is our fight because it is a direct fight against freedom. That is what the motivation is. Mm -hmm. yeah. like we say, just spent not, like 20 minutes saying what you nailed in like five <laughs> words. Good job, Luke. Well, that, that's, that's what we're yeah. here for, to just reiterate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people might not yeah, yeah. get such Good a job, simple Doc. statement and understand why. I'm not sure so we made important. it any clearer. We might have muddied it up for oh, them. But whatever. Yeah. We gave it more. To we made it a little less cliche. Fighting for freedom, man. <laughs> Hey, man. <laughs> I would say that's a totally California way to say it, but I don't know if you believe. Do you guys still believe in freedom in California? 
<laughs> Sorry, anybody listening from California, but I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you're probably not the person I'm talking about. We're getting beeped at. Nico Yossi. All right, we're going to take a break. What's I love how you are all animated and like charismatic and this comes out. You're like, Got to be a silent professional, man. I'm not sure you're capable of being silent, but I will absolutely give you props for being professional. You are professional when you need to be. Most right? days, most days. Yeah. All right, so what do you got? What did you want to say? Well, I got a couple things, man. Um, just speaking about like, did you know Ukraine was so big when you were coming over here? Oh, know? my God, dude, no. Like, I, I'm telling you, when I say history nerd, like, I've nerded out very specifically over Russia and Putin. Like, I can tell you everything about Putin's childhood, what his favorite movie was. I Like, I can go on and on about Russian history, and this dumbass has neglected Ukraine, like, his whole life, man. Like, I thought that I knew a little bit about I didn't know anything yeah. about Ukraine, which in hindsight is real dumb since it's, like, my favorite freaking country outside of the United States right. now. But no, well, size, it, it holy have, shit, dude. No, It wouldn't have been idea. a surprise yeah. if you learned more about it. So, yeah. like, it, it's a pleasant surprise that we didn't know so much about this country yeah, and yeah. how much we learned in such a short amount of time. Yeah, we were talking about when we all came into Lviv and how we were, like, looking for barrels and thinking we were in the war. Like, even once I realized Lviv's not part of the war and they're far away from the front, mm-hmm. I still thought I was only, like, four hours away from the Russians. Yeah. It took somebody being like, bro, it's like a 14-hour drive to get to the front. I was like, wait, how big is this country? Like, yeah, it's when, huge. When we went and dropped that truck off to Zaporizhia, the 25-hour train ride, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah. And it was still summertime, so it was hot as hell on the train. Yeah. There was some gypsy family. And uh, the little kid had shit his pants, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm down there by the only no, window. You're just trying to open. blame the fact that you shit your pants on some little gypsy no, kid. I, or, like, okay. I would I would I would man up and say <laughs> I shit my pants, but I didn't. The little gypsy yeah. kid shit his fucking pants, <laughs> and I happen to be by the one window that'll actually go down more than halfway. And I'm Lucky eating an you, ice. Man. I'm eating an ice cream cone, <laughs> and the trash can is next to me. So the gypsy mother, gypsy mother comes out of the bathroom and throws the shitty fucking bridges right in the thing. And I'm there trying to catch a cool breeze and just eat my fucking ice cream. (laughs) Hold on now. Did, did, did gypsy kid shit his pants or was just a baby in a diaper and he pit shit in his diaper and you're just being dramatic. It wasn't a baby, bro. (laughs) Like this kid was walking and like semi talking. (laughs) So I don't, was this an hour? Six or hour 23 of the 25-hour train ride. I want to say they got on halfway. Uh, so you still had a good solid 10 hours yeah. with shit pants. Not nice. to mention that same trip. The like y- You've been on the trains. You know how like there's oh, yeah. four four beds? Yeah. yeah. And I was four? like, yeah, there's like the two bottom ones, and then the two top ones come down. All right. I've been in ones with six and ones with two. I have not been in ones with four yet. Okay. Uh, Living the life of luxury, I see. Mm-hmm. Six is not luxury, dog. No, it's pretty crammed is. in it. Two's nice. <laughs> Two's real nice. Yeah. But no, so it was a a, a four like bed car right. room. Yeah. And uh I was on the top bunk above above Dima, actually. And instead of using Does the Does Dima little... snore? I feel like Dima snores. Not that bad. No, okay. Nowhere near Sorry, Dima. Lost. I love you to oh, death. You just look like the kind of guy that probably snores. 
No. Not as bad as Ross or Dean. Nobody snores as bad as Ross. <laughs> Anyways, continue. So anyway, uh, I go to hop up there instead of using the little ladder that comes down. Because like his feet were over by the ladder, so I didn't want to disturb him. So I try and hop up there. And one of the cords breaks, bro. Oh, no, you <laughs> broke the train. <laughs> I broke the train bed. So I'm up there, and I'm like, all right, well, it's not that bad. I'll just keep my feet down there. And then Just balance on my weight on the one then, side. And then it went, and I thought I was going to crush Demon, dude. So for the last three hours of this train ride, I'm just standing in the hall looking out the window like this fucking blow. Is this the same shit pants train ride? Yes. Damn, that's a rough train ride for you. So, yeah, I never wanted to get on a train again. Yeah. But. Well, talking about the size, man, the other thing, and it's just, it just ties in because the geography connection, but like, it's kind of cool too how it's very similar to the United States in that, like, you have a little bit of everything. Like, yeah. You go down to Odessa, you're kind of in Miami. Go to Meek mm-hmm. Live, you're in Tampa. Go to yeah. Kiev, you're in New York City. Go to Lviv, you're kind you're of in California. Yeah, there's, no, there's no, there's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no, I'm talking, no, I'm only talking but like, yeah. I'm talking about like climate and like atmosphere, yeah, not not definitely. not the actual like tone of the place, mm-hmm. but like you know much warmer down in Odessa. You got your beachfront, Kiev's that cold northern feel. Yeah, because like, when we left Kiev, it was getting kind of cold. We get to Mikolaiv, I was uh, like thinking it's uh, gonna be cold as shit. When we went to Mikolaiv, I didn't even bring any t-shirts, man. I went yeah. there ready for cold. Yeah, yeah. we're all hitting the military was. shops looking for cold weather gear yeah. and shit. Like, yeah, yeah. go to Mikolaiv, and I'm like, Jesus, dude, like. I'm going to go sunbathe. Yeah. But yeah, when it comes to the size of the country, like I was surprised how many Ukrainians have lived here their whole life and they've never really been East. They've never been to the various cities. And like, I'm, I'm talking to Ukrainians about places I've been and they're like, wow, I've never been there. And I was like, man, I've only been here six months and I've seen more of your country. That's about, I just had this conversation yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday morning. I had breakfast with somebody right before I uh, drove here in Kiev, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, was talking about like not specifically where I was coming, but the region that we're at, and uh, and started naming some of the other places we've been over here. And she's like, "Yeah, I've lived here my whole life. I've never been to any of those places." Yeah, and I'm like, but then I was like, you know what? There's a lot of Americans <sighs> that have never been to a lot of places in America, yeah, so true. I'm not like judging. But you're right. Like it's wild to me because I'm like. I've literally been everywhere that's not occupied by Russians in Ukraine at this point. Yeah. Like, I'm everywhere. Damn, damn close. Everywhere. I think there's only a couple places you've been that yeah. I haven't been. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not claiming every town, obviously, yeah. but, like, I've been in all the corners. I've yeah. been down in the Carpathian Mountains. I've been up in uh, towns that I can't pronounce in the Northeast. I've seen I mean, the, Northwest. Kos, the Kos um, Mountain region, but I haven't been to the yeah. Carpathians Down yet. to Kharkiv, down to Mykolaiv, down to Odessa. Like, yeah. And, and there's a lot of Ukrainians, like you just said, that, mm-hmm. like, they've been to... Istanbul and France and in England and well, yeah, all over the, the world. They, they but go, not, they go but west not, to the European but not, countries, but, not but they don't check their own country out yeah. all the way. Yeah. But again, I've made the same comment to foreigners I know that have visited the United States. They're like, I saw the Rockies. I went to Florida. I went, I'm yeah. like, shit, you've seen more of the U.S. than most Americans have seen. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess it's yeah, kind of standard. Yeah. No, that's a good one to bring up, the size of the country. That definitely blew my mind. So while we're talking about that, what what is like, we already talked about some of the places we've been. What's on your list while you're here? Oh, man, dude. I talk about it all the time, the lists. Just how, like, because I don't have time to enjoy any of these places. Yeah. So it's just like when the war's over, a lot of my friends back home and my dad are just like, are you ever coming back to the United States? And I'm like, look, I don't know what the future holds. <laughs> 
if you'd asked me eight months ago if I would ever be in Ukraine in my entire life, I'd probably be like, I don't know, probably not. And here I am. So I can't predict exactly what the future holds, but I can guarantee you when this war is over, there's some places I'm going to check out in Ukraine. Like, I mean, uh, definitely want to like put some time into the Carpathian mountains. Beautiful down there. That's number one for me. Didn't get to, to didn't get to spend nearly as much time as I wanted. And when I was, you know, we were just doing training stuff. Um, like Odessa is cool, but that's not, it's never like, I'm not a, I'm not a Miami guy either. Like yeah. I'm not a Florida beach kind of guy. Like I'll certainly go there, check it out. Um, you know, visit it, but that didn't really do it as much for me. Um, I really liked Venezia, which surprised me because you don't yes. expect something right in the middle of the country without any specific geographical draw to it. Like mm-hmm. there's no mountains, there's no beach, there's no big lake, but Venezia was a beautiful, it's kind of in the foothills of the mountains. Yeah. Sort of. It's a very beautiful scene. Um, I definitely want to check out Venezia because I've not even like so much as had lunch there. I just drove through it twice. Yeah, I was there for two hours and yeah. we got our ride to yeah. Kiev from yeah, yeah. our little guardian angel. <laughs> yeah, I've only ridden through it a couple, driven through it a couple of times, and both times I was like, man, I, I want to come back to this place oh, yeah, for sure. That's back on the list, um, dude. The freaking bear rescue outside of Lviv. I'm I obsessed with bears. That. Anyone that knows me knows like like absurd obsession with bears. I every other summer I would always ride my Harley coast to coast. I'd like touch the Atlantic Ocean right out to the Pacific in California and then go up into Wyoming mm-hmm. and literally just go looking for bears. Like get into Yellowstone, hike three, four days back into the woods just trying to find grizzly bears. I'm obsessed with bears. Um and there's just every time I drive by it, there's a big sign that says bear reserve and everyone keeps telling me it's like one of the best bear reserves in the world. Damn. And so yeah, definitely need to stop and check out the bear reserve. It's like um, oh, what's the the town with the training center that got hit by missiles like twice in the beginning of the war? Uh, uh Yavarif. Yeah, it's over by Yavarif. They're in that direction, anyways. So yeah, got the Bear Reserve. Uh, definitely the Carpathian Mountains. Oh, Alvin, uh, Fernetsk, which is basically hear, yeah, which is basically the Carpathian that. Mountains. It's kind of right down in that area. It's supposed to be super picturesque. I've seen the pictures. Looks incredible. I want to check that place mm-hmm. out. For sure. Uh, I need to explore Kiev. I really, really like Kiev, but I'm never there long enough to like yeah. explore and see all of Kiev because I haven't even been to the, they call it the left side. I don't understand. Because it's on the right side. Of the it's river. on the right side of the river, on the right side of a map as you look on. It is on the right, but yeah. they call it the left side. They did the same thing in Kherson. And they were talking about Kherson. They kept saying that they were withdrawing from the right side to the left. I'm like, no, stop it. I don't know what that is. I'm not sure. There's probably a reason behind that. There must be some meaning behind that. Maybe it's as you look down from Kiev. I have no idea. But so I've never been to that other side of uh, even Kiev. So there's a whole half of the city that that I've literally never been. That's where that pig roast was where I said that uh, guy that had been in. He was a Russian communications officer or some shit at one point. Yeah. But yeah, so it's cool. It's I've driven through it. Yeah. But I've never even like stopped there for anything. Mm-hmm. So I got a whole lot of Kiev to explore. Uh, Bear Reserve, Avanafernesk, Mountains. Um, I mean, obviously, Crimea. Oh, Once we get Crimea, I mean, yeah. we that's, all know that's, that's the first place we're going that's, for that's no other I'm... reason than to be like, hey, look. Not Russia. <laughs> um, that's that's where I'll be retiring. You guys will down there. Every oh, day. and Dnipro. Dnipro. Yes. I went to Dnipro 
and just spent the night. But it was one of those deals where I got in late, mm-hmm. right before curfew, spent the night, got up early, grabbed a cup of coffee, and went to where I was going. Um, so spent no time there, but just driving through in the morning and it was light. I was like, I can tell this place is awesome outside yeah. of the war. Um, it's also a place that's been beat up during this war. Yeah. So uh, a lot of blown up buildings and, and not a whole lot of people out. Um, so right now, not sure how awesome and amazing it is, but I can tell that during normal times, Dnipro is a pretty yeah. dope city. We so. only saw a little bit of it, the uh, walk from the train station yeah. to the bus station, but I got the same vibe. I was like, this yeah, is definitely yeah. a city I'd like to check out at some point. Yeah, It seemed like Zaporizhia like, is a big one for me. Um, yeah, you've been. The, yeah, but I I was only there for like a day and say? a half, and it wasn't a yeah. whole lot of exploring. It was dropping that vehicle off and then getting a hotel, but uh well, i was just, gonna say that's just one that you've tapped off that i haven't still yeah. haven't been oh okay yeah, i haven't been through uh, well, yeah just the way the river runs through it and, and like just the history of that area is is one that i want to explore more i did get the check well it's kind of half a check it was a little too cold to swim in the black sea the day i was in odessa but oh, i'm I shocked did you go. didn't do it anyways i, I was real close but <laughs> i was just getting over being sick and we were just about to possibly start a new training regiment so i didn't want to go there being sick because my dumb ass had to swim in the black sea but it's very I very did, responsible of you i did i did dip my hands in and get some <laughs> of it on my face and shit and walk down the beach before uh, a couple dudes in yellow jackets came down and said you can't be on the beach and we're like why they're like there's mines and i'm like there's no mines on the beach or you wouldn't have walked down here to tell us we can't be on the beach you just brought another one to mind saying dumb, dangerous shit. I I was really disappointed that I was in Chernobyl, but never really explored Chernobyl. Um, definitely want to go explore Chernobyl, 20. but not like some dumb, give me the tour yeah. bus guided nonsense. Like, I want to walk around wondering shit. Did I just cross that line? Yeah. Like, I want to get in there. I want to check it out. When, yeah, when I sure. was up there, we I'll were get a little gigameter first and like 20, walk around making sure I don't 20 kilometers up. from the dome, I think we were, is what they said. It was oh, yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. 30 kilometers from the oh, dome. Oh, we weren't far at all from the line. The, yeah. Like, cross this line and your kids are coming out aliens. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was kind of the extent of it for us like yeah we we know that crazy road was kind of scary looking and we know that we were real close to everything when we were there but we were just concentrating on training yeah and then we came back so i haven't actually gone into chernobyl the parts that everybody tours and stuff so that's on the list yeah carpathians is definitely on the list for me um yeah, i want to go explore we had went and picked up that mercedes box truck in the cost mountain region but i'd like to go back there because that was very yeah. picturesque too I'll definitely go back to Odessa and swim in the Black Sea. Got to hit Crimea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carpathians, uh, I can probably go there and camp for a week or two, and I'd be happy. All right. What about you, man? Anything jump out at you that we didn't already list? Because I feel like we just listed every place in the country. But... I haven't been to Kiev yet. I'd like to go there. You haven't been to Kiev yet? Yeah, you still haven't been to Kiev. Oh, we need no. to fix that. Uh, yeah, Carpathians, yeah. for sure. Maybe in the winter, if there's, like, skiing and snowboarding. Oh, it's huge. They have yeah. slopes, like, right. like baller I'll be there. slopes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't say that from experience. I just know that they have a lot of um, lodges and, and yeah. full-on resorts down there for yeah. it. So, yeah. And then definitely Crimea as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think all of us Crimea, we just know that that's yeah. the big middle finger to Russia is when we're all standing in Crimea, shishleking like motherfuckers. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
Like I said, I'll, I'll find they gotta they gotta uh, revive the fishing industry here in Ukraine when, <laughs> when everything's done. So they're all be when uh, whenever some of you Ukrainians need a deck hand on a boat, you got fry shrimp, real <laughs> shrimp, boil <laughs> shrimp. <laughs> oh, I can man. see you filling that role, man. Yeah, oh, fucking yeah. Delaware, Crimea. What's oh, the yeah. <laughs> Probably a big fucking difference, man. Probably way cooler fish to catch. Yeah. Are you gonna serve them in a jar? <laughs> I might, uh, we'll see how much time I have. Might yeah. All right. So Crimea, Kiev. We need to fix that, yeah. man. I got to get you up to Kiev. Yeah. Um. Again, I still have a ton of Kiev to explore, but I like Kiev a lot. Having grown up in Pittsburgh, um, and and always really like New York City, and like those northern New England cities, Kiev's he's like the ukrainian version which means it's the little bit better version yeah um of that feel like that yeah. blue collar industrial but modern mm-hmm. um except that everyone's super polite which you're not going to run into in new york city <laughs> yeah 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 and yeah. then uh ribney i'm gonna add ribney to the list just because i've heard calvin speak so highly of it have you been uh just through it one time when i was okay. delivering ribney people. surprised me Cause I thought I had driven through it like six times. Cause yeah. if you look at Google maps where I drove was through Rivney. Um, and even when we trained a unit there thought I had driven through Rivney when we were training there. Yeah. And then I went to downtown Rivney once and was like, Oh, there's a whole ass city here. Yeah. Like I had just been driving through the outskirts and yeah, mm-hmm. Rivney seems like a pretty cool place. I spent one day there. Actually, it was like a day and a half. I was there. Um, and yeah, good restaurants, good yeah. vibe, good people. Yeah, liked Rivney. Me and uh, me and Jesse. Lutzka's nice too, which is over in that area. Drove a vehicle up that way, and uh, I think yeah, we dropped that one off in Rivney, and then continued to Kiev, I think, to drop the other one off or something. I forget, but it was me and Jesse ahead of Dima and Masha, so we had gotten like an hour head start and rolled up there. And, yeah, it seemed like it'd be cool. I need to go back there and check it out. Hell yeah. Well, did you guys have anything? And we'll start with you since we're doing all of the talking because we're both loquacious assholes. Um, loquacious. You like that word, huh? That was an Air Force word. You're welcome, Army. <laughs> um, was there anything prior to coming to Ukraine for this that was like a place you wanted to visit in Ukraine? Was it ever on your radar? Not really at all. No, not even a little bit? No. Not even like... Man, I hear the girls over there are pretty hot. I got to go check that out sometime. I heard no, it, but if I did, I'd be over here. You hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that. I thought that was the one thing everybody knew about right. Ukraine. Oh, I like know I didn't that. know anything else about Ukraine except that apparently they have the most beautiful women in the world. It was just yeah. I heard that from a Moldovan soldier about Moldova, but not Ukraine. Yeah. So Hungary, Moldova, Romania, Ukraine—they all kind of have like that same. Uh, I don't want to call say Eastern Bloc because that's just at this point that's fucked up to say because Russia's just fucked that whole thing up. Yeah, but um, that that same kind of uh, look mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's a great look. It's, yeah, it's a good yeah, look. It's, it's, it's not good. bad. Yeah, in fact, it's it's one of those things where like I almost hate to talk about it or or even like because I don't want people in the states to think like. There's any other reason that I'm here? Because trust me, right. I'm not. I'm not enjoying any of that yet. Um, but 
No, they are beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. I think that the only thing that Ukraine could use more of is maybe like some Latinas. I'm still I'm still pretty big on the Latinas, bro. Costa Rica was hard to forget, man. Yeah. Latinas and Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> About America. Oh, Mexican that's the food. one food they haven't figured out here, man. Yes. If they have, I apologize. Please send me a message and tell me where it is because I want to try it. But the, the isn't terrible. Mexican, pl- they're not bad food. But it's, it's not, not Mexican yeah. at all. No. Not even a little bit. Like I've been to a few Mexican places here, and I'm like, this food is great. Yeah. If you call it something other than Mexican, I'll probably come back because right. it's good food. But it's not even like it doesn't even resemble Mexican food. Like yeah. it's not Mexican food. Yeah. And I love Mexican food. So that is the one thing that's a little sad. But you know what? I can cook at home, man. I can make my own tacos. I've done it. I made tacos. How about the Chinese food we found in Odessa? That was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, that was really good. You want spicy food, you got to go Chinese here. Yeah. Uh, Or Indian. Or Indian. Oh, yeah. I still haven't had any Indian here yet. It's legit. Good. Yeah, it's very legit. I mean, it is closer to India. Yeah, yeah. Fucking <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And if they can figure it out, I'm sure. No, I've had several really legit Indian, uh, Thai food. I've had some really good Thai food here. Oh, I see a lot yeah. of Thai places. Yep. Some really good Thai food. Oh, how about the fact that this is one of my favorite things. Apparently, if you use a foreign language, you can get away with putting anything you, you want in your public restaurant. It's amazing. I had breakfast the other day in a place that literally said on the wall in huge neon, fuck off, I'm eating. <laughs> and then there was uh there was another place that i don't remember exactly what the rhetoric was but it also had the word fuck in it ruby and yeah. these are like family restaurants like nice i'm like that's cool like i should open some places in the states that say that in ukrainian like <laughs> just call on the, the wall actually just name the restaurant yeah. um and hey it's cool it's fine it's not english so you don't you know you can't be mad about it yeah um yeah no food here jeez Jeez, and but what's really cool is like we're talking about all these restaurants, and uh, like I don't want people to get the impression that we just like go out to eat at nice places all the time and are living a great time over here. But outside of the restaurants, even like the food that they're practically apologizing to us for having to eat, we're like, nah, bro, this is, this good. is really yeah, yeah. good. Like, don't apologize that we're eating out of this big vat with a ladle with like, all nah, the other soldiers because that was banging. Yeah, like, yeah, give no. me all the buckwheat. I don't man, care. It's man. Crazy it's man, the food over here is on point like they whip up stuff with like the combinations are just mm-hmm. wild like they'll put stuff together i'm like oh that sounds real gross then i eat it i'm like i'm an idiot that yeah. was delicious yeah good food good food cool places to visit great incredible food. people unbelievable people uh i literally started this entire podcast just to try and help people understand how incredible these people are. That was literally the whole reason. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, great geography, man. This is, this is a cool place. And uh, it's going to be even cooler when it doesn't smell like Russians anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Circling back around to it, man, just like war in general is a very ugly business. But the beautiful things that come from war, the friendships, the bonding, the the strength, afterwards that shit's amazing yeah and especially just none of us knew each other before we ever came over yeah. here we just met on the street randomly or we met through associates or friends of friends and to look at the shit we're doing now together working as a unit good cohesion everybody brings a little something different to the table 
think about it. Like we wouldn't have made half the friends that we have nowadays if it wasn't for war. Yeah, it's true. Well, so it's like I think damn near every friend I have in life I made yeah. through through war. Yeah. Exactly. But but, but it's, it's also kind of long lasting friendships. And, it is. And it's and it's funny too because I was having a conversation with someone in Poland actually. Um who was not a big fan of military people mm-hmm. in general. Had that stereotype in their head of we just like killing people and we're violent humans, right? Yeah. And I was like, and and I wasn't confronting that. I didn't even really respond to it. But after, like we've talked a number of times, and uh, after talking for a bit, they were just like, you know, I've realized I never understood like how much a lot of you are exactly the opposite. Like you bond over wanting to like, not just keep people alive, but like, you empathize like you know the pain people go through in war better than anyone on the planet and that makes you want to be there for them and help like i'm seeing that i'm like you have no idea like for one you just hit the nail on the head like meeting you guys who came over as independent volunteers same as the rest of us um has renewed a lot of my faith in humanity but not only that like i know every one of you because we've all had this conversation a million times and it's one of the prerequisites for being part of this group. Like none of us are here because we want people to die. None of us are here even really to train people to kill people. We're here because we know how bad it sucks to come back from war. We're here because we know how bad it sucks when people don't come back from war. Yeah. And we want as many good people as humanly possible to still be alive with their families at the end of this. Exactly. Like, like, and I say that with 100% confidence that, that everybody's on board with that, with mm-hmm. this group, because, you know, it's just, it, it exudes from all of you. Like, you can just see, like, and it's hard not to feel that way, like, when you meet these guys that yeah. are training and stuff, that it's just, like, people don't get it. So, like, oh, you're over there training military. Like, obviously, you're just trying to kill Russians. I'm like, I don't think you understand, like... If if all all the successes and if they kick all the Russians out, if some of that is a byproduct of them learning better military strategy, great. Because you know what? There's innocent civilians dying every day that there's Russians fighting against them. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, on an individual level, every one of us is just like, that's 50 dudes that don't have a very good chance of seeing their wife and kids again. Let's change that. Yeah. Like, let's get them back with their wife and kids in six months or however long it is yeah um is what drives all of us i know it is Absolutely. and a lot of people don't understand that about because i mean there are some people that just want to kill and blah 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 blah. and and when we talk about the itch that we all have to fight and stuff like we all know i shouldn't say we all but i i will speak for myself um it's not about oh i want to kill people or anything like that it's it's that sense of purpose of like i'm doing something yeah. that a lot of humankind would never have the capacity to do and i'm doing it for a good reason is what what i get off on that's that itch yeah. right mm-hmm. um but this is way bigger man like i'm telling you i would have never in a million years ever believed i would be a trainer like that's not no, me. That's not my personality. Like no way in those, hell. Those who can't do teach. The guys <laughs> who were trying to get me to come over and train. I'm like, you don't know me. Like that's not what I do. Yeah. Now, when I've seen what it's like to be like, okay, if I'm one more warm body at the front fighting, that's cool. Teach a man to fish. But when I look at 
how many people we've touched, man. Like I haven't even run the numbers, but when I look at the number of people and I, and I just know the law of averages in this, in this fucking brutal war. And I go, dude, there are literally like a lot of guys that we've bonded with that are really good people who would be dead. Yeah. And now they're going to be alive. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. That's way better than being a warm body at the front. Yeah. All right. For anybody who was watching and not listening, what I was saying uh, right before it cut out is that knowing that there are people who, if we had not come over here, um, we're not going to come home. And now that we even know those people, like those specific people, um, we're probably not going to come home alive. And now just because we came here, uh, they are going to come home alive is fucking everything. Yeah, it's reward uh, enough for yeah. all the time spent here. Yeah, man. Like there's, like you were talking about, get that question all the time from Ukrainians. And now that I've been here this long and made some unorthodox life decisions in the United States, we'll call yeah. them. Uh, I'm getting the question a lot too from People I know in the States, friends and family, like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, that's it, man, right there. Like, I I hope I don't end up homeless living on the street, but if that's what it took, I'd do it Hell if, for, uh, what, for what we've been doing. Yeah. If you're going to live homeless somewhere, it might as well be Ukraine. At least you'll have nice <laughs> views walking by I guess if day. I'm homeless, I also <laughs> don't have money for an airline ticket to the States, so I guess that's where I'm going to be homeless. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, like even if that worst case, like if I lost everything, do it all over again in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anything you guys want to say wrapping up? Yeah, man. I mean, like I was saying, uh, even a situation as shitty as war, it, it brings good people together. And it's not just you hear a lot about the Americans over here and uh, the, the British people that came to help. But hell, man, I've met people from Norway, people from Sweden. One of my best friends now is from Italy, and he came over here. Didn't yeah. even have any good old Dario. Didn't even have any military experience, yeah. man. He was just a driver, and yeah. he, he that's what he did. He came over here and he drove and yeah, he did good things, man. And so it brought people from all over the world that opened their eyes and realized this is something we need to do something yeah, about. It's wild, and it's something that we're able to help with. Mm -hmm. So why not help? Why not do the yeah. right thing? Yeah, it's crazy. Cause I thought that I was kind of low key, a little bit badass. Yeah, right. Like, yo, man, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Ukraine. What's up? How many of you guys have got the policy that I'm going to Ukraine? Yeah. Then you get here and you meet these civilians with no military experience whatsoever. And like, oh yeah, dude, I've been to Zaporizhia. I yeah. went to here. I went inside Russian occupied territory to get some people out. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> There's some amazing people in this world, man. Absolutely, some good people. And, and like right. you said, it, yeah. it, 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 uh. Kind of restored some faith in humanity, man. Maybe yeah. the world isn't such a shitty place after all. Yeah, yeah. Not to get all cliche and uh, sad. It's true, man. It's, it, yeah, I mean. It's true. The truth is the truth, and that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. I say all the time, man. I came here out of benevolence. I stayed because I sincerely love these people, and I yeah. can care about them, and I don't want anything to happen to them that doesn't have to happen to them. But there's also a selfish element, man. I'll admit it. Yeah. Like I'm staying a little bit for me. Like this feels good. I'm meeting incredible people. It's making me feel purposeful. It's giving me a sense of fulfillment that I didn't have with what I was doing yeah. in the United States. 
Um, so it's it's just as good for me as it is for the people I'm trying to help. Definitely, like it's, it's therapy, man. We're all at least one sixteenth fucking Ukrainian now. <laughs> I mean, I hope I've earned at least like one eighth, but yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. You falling asleep on us, buddy? <laughs> no, I wouldn't blame you. Anybody listening, just know it's like almost one a.m. here. We've been training since. Butt crack it down. Well, they've been training since butt yeah. crack it down. I was driving since butt crack it down this morning. Uh, it's been a long day, but it's it, been a great it, it conversation. Doesn't, so it doesn't help good. that the sun sets at uh four thirty. Uh, yeah. So, and we're getting right back up here in a few hours right, doing it all right again. Back at but it yeah. again. I wouldn't have it any other way, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this will help me fall asleep. It's a little cold in here, so we'll fall asleep in those sleeping bags easily. Yeah, oh, there ain't nothing like a sleeping sleep. bag on a cold evening. Oh, man. All right, guys, anything you want to say before we wrap it up? Not just anyone listening. Uh, just just have a conversation about what's going on over here, man. Just raise awareness at least and, and pay attention to what's going on in the world because yeah. this isn't the only place shitty things are happening, and we are capable of doing more than, than you think. It, it just takes a little bit of courage and thinking outside the box about what needs to be done. Man, a hundred percent. I appreciate you saying that. I say to people all the time, like, how can we help your organization? I'm like, all right, the obvious answer is donations and money. Yeah. But more important to me, and that is important. We need it. But more important, tell people what's yeah, happening. Talk awareness. about it. If we can talk in our socials every damn day about Johnny Depp's divorce for six straight months, mm-hmm. we can talk about the terrorists terrible things happening over here and the incredible people that are rising over yeah. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Talk about it. So glad you brought that up for sure. Slava Ukraine. Slava. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this, please click like comment below, subscribe, let us know that we have your support. It means the world to us. And we hope that more people can have their eyes open to what is actually happening in this country by talking to the people who are living through it. Thanks again, and have a great day.